Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. <sighs> we did it! I still can't believe we got this project done so fast and so well. When I'm in New York. I'm in Chicago. And I'm in L.A. But we're making it happen in Miro. Together. Our best work just happens faster on Miro's collaborative online whiteboard. No more scheduling meeting after meeting for work that could happen from anywhere. Whether it's getting design feedback here. Mapping timelines here or brainstorming next steps here. It all just happens on the Miro board. Exactly. And it's nice not having to wait an entire day to get sign-off from this guy. Hey! Well, it is true. See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com. The first three boards are free forever. That's M-I-R-O.com. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another spoiler episode of the Falcon and Winter Soldier, brought to you by the Geek Buddies. <gasps> hey! Oh, a little dance there, Kalinowski. Kalinowski got the little the Geek Buddies dance. I like yeah. it. I like it. I like it. Uh, so much to get into today, uh, episode four, and we have now officially crossed the Rubicon. We are on the other side of this, two episodes away from the end of this first season. If there's only going to be one season, the only season, but we're two episodes away from ending this thing. And episode four was chock full of so much for us to discuss. We're going to break it all down. Uh, and just this is the first of three spoiler warnings. We are going to get into everything. If you haven't watched the episode, go watch the episode. Come back. Uh, and uh, watch the rest of this review episode for sure. But let's introduce ourselves. I'm the outlaw, John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on the Outlaw Nation. Mikey? I am Michael Vogel. I am a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. Shan? 
This is Shanna McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Teen Wolf, Marsville's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Sure, sure. <laughs> no, that's Silicon a show, Valley. yeah. You've been on that show. Marsville's? Marsville's? It's an offshoot of Marvel Comics. <laughs> yeah, I'm not editing that out. That's going to stay. <laughs> no, keep and uh, joining us again this week, and we're loving every week we're getting Woo! the chance to hang out with this gentleman here, the great Mike Kalinowski. How are you, Mike? Boys, how are we today? How are we doing? What a what a, an episode. What an episode. <laughs> so much was covered in this episode. Uh, let's go around the horn right off the bat and hear what we thought overall about this episode for Mike Vogel. Tell me what's your feeling, without any spoilers, what your feeling is about the whole world is watching episode four of The Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh, definitely a lot of awesome stuff in this episode. So uh, I enjoyed it more than I enjoyed last week's episode. Uh, I liked a lot of what was in this episode. I liked a lot of the discussions. I liked a lot of the bigger, uh, the bigger, the bigger ideas that they were grappling with. And of course, I liked the Dora Milaje. So that was awesome. I do still feel that uh, the show is not quite firing on every cylinder the way that WandaVision was, the way that some other things did. I still feel like it gets a little muddy sometimes. It gets a little caught up in itself. Hmm. Uh, but that, uh, as opposed to last week where that was kind of the overriding feeling I had watching the episode, that was sort of just underneath a lot of really, really fun, good stuff. So I was happy to see this episode, and I'm excited to see where we're going as we get to the final two. Sounds good. Uh, Shannon McClung, your thoughts as you uh, walk away from this episode? Yeah, this one was definitely my favorite of the season. Um, mm -hmm. I, I thought it was a massive improvement over last week's episode. I know some of our audiences may take issue with that comment. Um, a lot of the issues that I had last time, a lot of just sort of, uh, you kind of skipped a few steps. I don't feel that happened this time. A couple of moments that I'm like, yeah, you know, if this were a longer episode, we could have seen this moment or we could have seen that moment. But we can kind of we can kind of infer what happened. Um, yeah, I mean, there there was definitely a moment towards the end, which I think we will we will get into quite a discussion about. Um, but yeah, uh, overall, just I thought great work uh, across the board by all the actors. Um, yeah, yeah, it was last night last night watching it with Kalinowski. That was it was a blast. Okay, Aww. and my, Kalinowski, go to you here. I mean, you've uh, been kind of, you've been opposite on our points of views yeah. overall as we've gone through the season. So yeah, you've got an up and down for you so far. What was your feeling coming out of this episode four? I'll tell you, this was the episode, uh, you guys, you know, you've been in Florida, you know what the humidity is like, and it's one of those days where you're all hot and sweaty, and you take some gold bond, you put it all over your special area, and it just reinvigorates you, and you're like, oh, this is brisk, <laughs> this is gets me going. That's what I felt like with this episode. Like, okay. it, it hit me in the comic sweet spots. Like it was, I think the only episode I ever had really kind of an issue with was one, just because I went in with dis different expectations. Mm. A lot of one paid off in this episode. Yeah. You know, people were like, Mike, calm down, wait. And I was like, I know we're going to get, you know, I know it's going to all come together. Uh, the things going forward, Marvel and Disney are doing things I didn't think they would do, or I didn't think Disney would allow them to do. Uh, so I'm loving that they're kind of pushing outside the ordinary. Um, I, for me, this hit, all, there were three scenes. We'll get into my, when we break them down that. Yeah were so far my favorite of this entire run so far. Now I love the action, but these three scenes were not action-based and they hit all the right notes. And I changed my mind about a certain character Ooh. because of one scene that mm -hmm. I'm, that I loved. I loved. So yeah, yeah. Okay. it's hitting right for me. It's, it's doing exactly what I hoped. And yeah. I, I think I share my fellow compatriots overall feeling about this episode up until that last moment or just before that last moment of this episode, last scene in this episode, 
everything about it was so enjoyable, so much fun. And yes, I, I agree with Shannon too. We've seen the kind of cracks here that kind of show themselves that they had to cut this down from 10 episodes to six episodes. You can tell there are some story beats they're taking for granted, some groundwork, some background that they should have spent a little more time with. And I wish we had gotten a 10 episode, release the Daniel Brühl cut. Give me the 10 episode series here that I would like to have seen. But that being said, there is incredible acting work being done here. The philosophical discussions are what we've been waiting to hear. The subtlety in addressing some of the more racial and social justice overtones I thought was interesting. The global politics discussions that we're having here, terrorist versus freedom fighter, I thought was so essential to give us, the audience, real challenges to think about as we watch this show and as we put these characters in certain boxes in our minds as we watch this series. So I think this was probably the most enjoyable and the most challenging episode of the series overall. So uh, one last spoiler warning before we jump into it. We're going to break it all down scene by scene. So if you haven't seen it one last time, go back and watch it and come back and join us. All right, let's jump into it. Episode four, the whole world is watching. We open with a scene in Wakanda. Of course, we left last episode uh, with uh, uh, Bucky confronted by Ao, uh, but we open this scene in Wakanda. It is six years ago. We get a little graphic there telling us that where Ao is essentially deprogramming the White Wolf, aka Bucky. Bucky is by a fire, and Ao says the cold words, and he does not break. But we see flashes of the crimes that the Winter Soldier has committed in the past. There's some powerful stuff here. Just a couple of them. Several shots of the Winter Soldier on the Shield Daily Carrier. The masked Winter Soldier attempting to choke Steven Rogers. Multiple shots of Winter Soldier being subjected to Hydra brainwashing, as well as the assassination of Howard and Maria Stark. And there were a couple other scenes as well. Ayo reveals to him that he is free because he does not succumb to the words. And this, of course, causes Bucky to break down. It's very emotional. We cut to modern day. Ao asks how Bucky could free Zemo. This is picking up from when we left off in the last episode. Ao reminds him of all Zemo's done in his murder of King T'Chaka and the shame that the Dora Milaje feels here. And Ao says he has eight hours and then they are coming to go get Zemo. Vogel, this is a hell of a, hell of a two, ep, two scene uh, uh, a way to start this episode. What was your feeling as you were watching this interaction between these two actors and these two characters? Well, well, my first thing is I got to ask, because my first thing, I looked at my brother, we were watching the episode this morning, yeah. and as soon as this scene happened, I turned to him and I was like, I bet Kalinowski fucking lost it in this episode. He, <laughs> he, he loved this. Uh, so, is that one of the ones? Is this one of the scenes that was one of your favorites, Kalinowski? Yes, indeed, okay. sir. Yeah. I, I oh, you, were talking, you weren't just talking the whole episode. You were talking this specific scene. This specific scene. Oh, yeah. Yes, and I'll tell you why okay. later. Cool. Uh, okay. Yeah, I and I agree with my good friend Mike Kalinowski. This scene was great. Uh, this was an awesome way to start the episode, uh, especially leaving off the big surprise of Io showing up at the end of last week's episode. Uh, and I think it did a couple things. One, I loved sort of the uh, the mirroring of the introduction of Zemo last week uh, using the Winter Soldier code words against, uh, yes. not against Bucky, but using them just to like see what would happen. And then to open up this week's episode to go back to this moment when Bucky was really kind of dealing with uh, deprogramming himself mm -hmm. and how it happened and to see Io do it. And I think that, you know, we know that he healed in Wakanda. When we patch up with him in Infinity War, we're told that he's better and we're like, cool, cool. But, you know, I think we kind of think of it as more of like a, 
uh, using Wakandan technology and to have like this really emotional moment with Io, it kind of showed a few things. One, it showed the trust that Bucky clearly has in mm. Io as a character uh, because she says right off the bat, like, I'm not going to let anyone, I'm not going to let you hurt anyone. Like, his biggest fear is that he loses control and goes back to his old ways. So the trust to let her say those words and know that he's in safe hands is kind of amazing. And the other part that it does, just sort of inherently, is it shows how badass the Dora Milaje are, as if you didn't need a reminder. Mm -hmm. Um, Because having one woman there next to one of the biggest assassins of the past 90 years and being like, if you go crazy, I got you. I'm not too worried about it. Like, it's just a great way to kind of instantly show uh, the emotional connection that these two have with each other and just remind us that these are some very, very badass women. So I thought it was just a great way to kick things off. Uh, And then, you know, you catch up with them in the, in the, in the alleyway and you do, you get like a, this is one of those great scenes where they just give you all of the actual plot stuff that you need to know if you are not a super nerd like we are. So it's just a reminder, Hey, this is what Zemo did. We're super pissed about it. We want to bring him in. But it's all done in a really good kind of fun character interplay between these two. And so it just gets the stakes of the episode. Like, you have eight hours to do your thing, and then we're moving in. Yeah, and we also get some, by getting that scene uh, from earlier and the scene now, Kalinowski, we get an idea of their relationship and the debt in a way that Bucky owes Ao in this situation. So the grace that she's showing by even giving him those eight hours uh, is being shown because of their relationship. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's funny. I, I apologize if I'm looking up the side. I'm just. I got my iPad with notes because you guys always no, bring up always. such good points. And I love to uh, address. Like, yeah, Mike. For me, and maybe Shannon. Like, for me as an actor, if you watch an actor and they can tell you so much and they have no dialogue, like mm. his acting in that scene was some of the best I've seen this whole season. And yeah. and, and as the character, and he says so much with his eyes. You see the pain inside this guy. You know. He, I mean, think about that. Like. His whole life was against his will, killing people against his will. I mean, that, they flashed, I think it was last season. It might have been in this. It was in no, this one, the flashback, where he's choking Maria Stark out. And he's yes. not even – he just puts his hand in the car. And, like, he can't look at her. Like, everything he's done, this man, and to friends of his now, and people that he works with, coworkers. So to see that scene. And then I was reading a lot online about they felt the Dormelage was kind of shoehorned in. And they felt like, ah, you didn't need that. And I disagree completely because – and I see this a lot in, in, in books and thrillers, it adds the ticking clock. Mm-hmm. The Dormelage was there, that adds the ticking clock because it's a whole nother six because not only do they have their mission, but now they've got a time frame and they've got to get this in this time. So it just as a, in a thriller sense, it adds that ticking clock. So that's what they're there for. But it's a brilliant thing because the history's there between yeah. these. He, they saved him. The Avengers didn't save him. You know, Steve didn't save him. It was the Dormelage and how smart they are and, and Wakanda and Wakanda tech. So and I love Marvel's does that so well. It takes secondary and maybe tertiary characters and makes you care about them. Yeah. You know, we'd seen AO in what civil war, infinity war or black Panther. Yeah. I think she's in infinity war she is. She probably, and then yeah. Endgame, but has what two, three lines maybe in the yeah. course of, We've seen her, I mean, but you yeah, but her line, her line in Civil War, her line in Civil War oh, is a doozy. Sure. It's Absolutely. a good one. Absolutely. It's less with more for sure. And, and, and I saw people online yep. saying like, oh, why wasn't it this person? Why? And it's like, no, it's Marvel builds up the secondary and third character. So yeah. they, it just and it's a relationship that deepens now because we have that history. So, yeah, that scene for me just like it just hit on all cylinders and worked to 
set forward, you know, they're, they're now under the, they've got this great force watching over them to get things yeah. going. So they don't have free willy with Zemo just running all over, doing whatever they want. They've got that, right. you know. That's so, that's yeah. an ex- excellent point that Kalinowski makes, Shannon, this idea of the time. They're on a time frame. There's, uh, you know, there's only a certain amount of time they have to get all this done. But uh, he's also right. I mean, some of the acting here from from Sebastian Stan, I think throughout the entire episode, some of the nonverbal acting here was really, really powerful. How did you feel about this scene to kind of open this episode, lay the groundwork for the tension we were going to feel throughout the entire episode? Yeah, I mean, it was excellent. I mean, I think we we saw in Infinity War, once once the world of Wakanda had kind of been established in Black Panther, like the, that that opening theme that you have, like the moment you hear that music, at least for me, like as, as an audience member, you're like, oh, Oh, here we go. I mean, it was yeah. definitely how I felt in Infinity War, you know, which came out just a few months after Black Panther. Um, yeah. the, the acting by Sebastian Stan here is it, it's excellent. It's 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 really, really good. I mean, the fact that, you know, the, the emotions he's able to convey just using his eyes, just using mm-hmm. his face. I mean, I love that we associate Wakanda with this sort of incredible technology but the fact that the scene is taking place around a fire it's much more spiritual that yeah, like scientifically they were able there they were to fix him but spiritually he's the one that has to kind of make that decision mm-hmm. to 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 get rid of this stuff that has influenced his life for you know decades um yeah it, and and i love the um the little flashbacks that we were getting that the last one that we saw after um io had said uh, homecoming um, the, the last uh, thing we see, the last visual is that moment in Winter Soldier where Steve has said to Bucky, like, I'm with you. I'm with you to the end of the line. Like, he's not going to he's not going to fight him. Like, you see that 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 nut has been cracked. Finally, yeah. like Bucky doesn't understand what's going on. But this guy who is his, it's his mission to kill him. He is not going to fight back like he's going to sit there and let he's going to let himself be killed before he fights back. I mean, just. Uh, really, really great scene. And yes, the addition of the ticking clock, always fun in, in basically a big chase movie. Yeah, and you make an excellent point here, Shan. Uh, you know, this idea of Wakanda, we have to always remember, Wakanda is built from the ground up and the foundation is the tribes. The foundation is the connection. The foundation is the connection with spirituality and nature. The technology flows from that. The usage of the technology flows from that. The, uh, the principles of how to use the technology flows from that so there's an overwhelming power of sorry sense of nobility in how the wakandans go about administering using and using the technology and we'll find out later uh the five finger punch of the technology as well uh all right let's go into the second scene here bucky uh now uh, after ao struts away and struts away powerfully Bucky goes into Zemo's apartment here in Latvia with Sam in there. Uh, he, he tells them that the Wakandans are out there and uh, will be coming at some point uh, later on today if, we, if they don't uh, you know, find out what's happening here. We see some stars, interesting Captain America stars behind Zemo's head, which I thought was fascinating. They kind of grill Zemo about him killing uh, Dr. Nagel. Then we hear the news about uh, Carly bombing the GRC depot, which we saw last episode of her killing those people there in that depot. Then they have a fantastic discussion about the super soldier serum and this idea of the desire to become a superhuman cannot be separated from being supremacist. It's very, it's there. It's there. If you're looking for it, the idea of supremacy and what, and how it corrupts you from the inside out, they counter with Steven Rogers, which uh, Zemo says uh, touche, but he also says how many Steven Rogers have there ever been? And Sam gives them an interesting look, which I think is a little groundwork being paired there. They talk about Donya Madani uh, and they think that they might be having 
a funeral for her that may be where they can go talk to Carly. Sam wants to talk to Carly. Sam says she's just a kid. He wants to find a way to peacefully negotiate their way out of the situation. Uh, and we go, we cut to Carly with the fellows with the flag smashers hearing news of the report of their growth. One of the workers that were called that was killed was a father of two who had been on the job for a week. How much of that is true? We don't know. Is that PR to kind of guilt people to hate? the Flag Smashers. Uh, then we hear they're passing the Patch Act uh, to fight back against the Flag Smashers. And then we cut to another scene, which we'll, we'll stop here, but we'll discuss this. Kalinowski, fantastic discussions here among <laughs> Zemo, Sam, and Bucky about the philosophy of super soldier uh, stuff and also how to approach the Carly situation. Zemo already saying, we need to kill her or she's going to kill you. What would your yeah. thoughts about all this? What I thought about it was like, they tempered it with like... I don't want to say comedy, but that uh, the Titi, you know, yeah, Titi and all that. You're just titi, like yes. the way he kind of mocks these men. Like mm-hmm. it's like he's always thinking three three steps ahead, you know, and he's mocking them. He knows he needs them, but also it's it, it's fascinating because what's that saying where it's like one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, seeing this stuff, it, and now we see juxtaposed with the flag smashers and they're they're like at a burnt out castle on the side of a river yeah. somewhere. They're eating out of like tin cups. It's like they're they're not enjoying the spoils of of what they're doing. It's not for them, you know. But also, you see them. They're they're they're, they're no, there's no organization to them. They're basically yeah. kids. They're kids who are super soldiers, and it's like they don't know what they've got as far as the power goes, and they're just trying to do right. And I think this these two scenes did a lot last week because a lot of people last week, and I read some discussion online were like, oh, man, anytime a film paints the villain like in a way that makes you challenge them and go, Oh, I kind of see their point. Then they have to do something that makes the audience go, Nope, they're bad. Mm-hmm. You know, they made a good point. Like, cause they said you could see Carly's point until she killed someone. And we were all kind of like, well, that's too far. And it's interesting because I don't know what the writers think. Like we, a lot of people were siding with Carly. Like you could see that and a lot of people sided with Thanos and yeah, then they do something, but this scene kind of brought us back and I didn't, remember the shades of her doing the killing it's it's the through line of the episode but it's kind of like in, in later scenes you, you, you it's tough because and that's what that's what great television and a great story for me is it's when it makes you constantly every step of the way challenging the yeah. villain's morals the hero's morals where do you fall what side that's what was so great about civil war depending on gosh mm-hmm. you know i said it after wandavision i was like well tony stark was right you needed the accords wanda was that was 100 percent proof of you need the accords. i still <laughs> side with cap I still would side with Cap every day, but I'm like, Tony's not wrong. Yeah. So this show is doing such a great job of keeping us, even Walker, we'll talk mm-hmm. about in a bit, you know? So, mm-hmm. but again, but those comedy and, and just Zemo, like Shannon and I were talking, he chews that scenery like no, like like the, the, like the Turkish delight in that scene. He's just chewing it up and, and we'll get to he, that. He can't yeah. help loving him, but anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned Walker. Shannon, I go to you on this next here. Um, The show, I think, did a nice job. You know, you've been writing some episodes, constructing things, storylines, what have you. But this seems like a really interesting discussion to have, knowing what we're going to see near the end of the episode, right? This idea of the desperation to become a super soldier, what that does to you, what that leads to, the danger of this. And of course, we know the history of John Walker in the comics, but 
even if you didn't, it's a fantastic discussion to lay a little bit of a groundwork or the seeds for and have it pay off within the same episode as well. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. The, the the Sam, Bucky, Zemo trio, as we saw in the last episode, um, mm-hmm. supremely entertaining. Like, yes. they're, they're really funny together. But in this scene, we really get some good dramatic acting mm-hmm. from everyone as well. Like, I love Zemo's sort of unwavering like i i've got the stomach to finish this right i don't i don't know if you guys do and sam is just proving again and again why he is the guy to carry the shield when he even though like yes carly blew up that building and 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 there were some casualties because because of it sam is still he's still trying he's like look she's just a kid and that sort of harkens back to Steve's comment about Wanda back in yep. Civil War was, you know, she is a kid like he, he's doing everything he can to resolve this peacefully. And man, he gets he gets so close. Yeah. And also, Shannon, it mirrors what um, Carly said last episode when she was talking to the Flag Smashers. I need to know you guys are committed after tomorrow. There's no going back. Here's Zemo saying the same thing. I, I have the guts to finish the mission. Do you two? There's no going back once we cross this line, you know. Uh, uh, Vogel, what stood out for you uh, as you're watching this scene? This scene, there's a lot of weight and power to this scene that we were gonna we're gonna see paid off later on in the episode. Did Zemo? Did, what was your feelings about Zemo as you watched this scene as uh, well? A lot of feelings. One, to your point, I love that every time we return to this room, this hotel room in Latvia where they're staying, uh, those stained glass windows are just just have these red, white, and blue stars. So anytime that we're having these sort of philosophical discussions about supremacy and serums and cap and everything, you've just got everybody framed by these red, white, and blue stars, which was just a great little detail that I really, really enjoyed. Uh, I love a good philosophical discussion. I could like (laughs) chew into that shit all day. So Zemo kind of laying out here, like we already knew this. We know from Civil War that he really wanted to break the Avengers apart for personal reasons. And they've sort of rolled that now into Falcon and Winter Soldier of him just saying like the world doesn't need superheroes. And his philosophy behind this has weight. I mean, his whole point that, uh, you know, that... Any the super you can't separate the su- the super soldier serum or super soldiers, mm-hmm. aka superheroes, from the idea of supremacy. That absolute power does corrupt absolutely because you're going to use that power to do what you think is best. And his examples, which were really interesting, he says that kind of thinking leads to Nazis, mm. Ultron, and the Avengers. Which yeah. <laughs> that is a interesting debate because first of all. <laughs> The Nazis, as we all know, really thought they were right. We're all in agreement, for the most part, uh, that they are horrible and awful and were wrong. Uh, Ultron also was like, the best way to cure humanity of their issues is to wipe them out. Again, we can all agree that he was wrong, but he thought he was right and had the power to do it. And then the Avengers, who we're all generally on Team Avengers, we love these guys, but the danger of a Tony Stark, the danger of these characters that have this level of power, the reason for the Sokovia Accords in the first place is that these are people that maybe have too much power, and that's where Zemo's coming from. Mm -hmm. And what's great about this entire debate is this is what makes Steve Rogers so special, because he is the one person that got that super soldier serum and you can just like go through this like like walker we're gonna get into the reasons he takes the serum carly kind of lays out pretty clearly she has an agenda and she feels that she is right and she'll do anything she can to do that steve rogers is the only guy who took the serum and his end goal in that serum was 
I want to protect the little guy. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. what I want. And that is so rare. And so, you know, it's just a really interesting take on everything. Uh, And then in addition to that, as everybody said, you have this heavy philosophical discussion. You have all this plot stuff moving forward. And meanwhile, Zemo is just spinning around this hotel room, talking about Turkish delight and saying, Sam, your TT would be proud. Like, he is just having a blast. And it's a joy to watch. It's it's amazing how deft he is at just dancing around the landmines throughout whatever sequence or scene he's in. There's a certain level of confidence uh, and arrogance, you would say, or hubris that Zemo has that he, he never feels overwhelmed in whatever situation he's in. He may be physically overwhelmed, but not mentally overwhelmed. And that's always been his uh, ace card. Yeah. Yeah, you know what's really interesting about him, and like the, I'll ask the two actors about what you think about this, but like a lot of times when an actor is kind of playing that they're the smartest guy in the room, they'll play it with a level of arrogance or they'll play it with a dismissiveness. And he is doing this weird thing, which is arrogant politeness. <laughs> like he's just yeah. being, he's being so uh, deferential and complimentary and casual. And in doing that, makes it absolutely seem like he thinks everyone else in the room is an idiot, which I think is a really impressive yeah. feat. Which are the two actors you're talking about? There's the three there. actors. I said three. You I said three. You lousy I... son of a bitch. All right, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> What's fascinating about him is he's, I don't want to say he's completely different from Civil War, but Civil War, he was single-minded. He he's he different sing- than Civil War. Yeah, he, he is. is. And he was playing... There was a little bit of the charm in Civil War when you would flirt with the right. with the the wait not the waitress the woman who would bring him the food with the bacon and the coffee in this hotel room, but other than that he was constantly on his on his toes like you know he's always going forward and, you know he had his mission this is like he is kind of taking his time and and he's letting it unfold around him where you kind of look at him like he knows what's happening he's got those four steps ahead so he is ready to go he he almost kind of knows they're playing into his hands you almost feel like yes. so it, it adds layers to it I'm like. Does he know the power broker? Like who he the power like there's just but, layers and I'm just like he just sits back and he's on the counter, he's on the counter, he's like he's making him tea and then one sees like have some have some cherry tea. Like all this is people, this, all these people who've been on the Zemo bandwagon since last week. Y'all are about to get blown up. Let me just tell you that right now. Anyway, sorry, Shannon, go ahead. No, I was gonna say this is this is the demeanor of a man who accomplished his goal. Yes. Like, sure, he 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 wound up in prison, but what he set out to do, he accomplished. So now finding out, like, ooh, there's something else to do. Uh, like great, like I was not expecting this this little victory lap. So yeah, I mean he's he's not only um, it, this this is something he's good at. Like not only is he good at it, he's enjoying it. Well, and I think also, oh, okay, I, I was gonna say, and this plays into like we'll see what we're, we'll see where things go in the next few weeks with Sharon Carter. But like sort of the difference to me in the jump from the last time we saw Sharon Carter in Civil War to now, where I'm a little bit like, I don't know that I completely buy this 180 in your entire character Mm -hmm. philosophy. Whereas with Zemo, it feels more like an evolution. Like in Civil War, he was a man who was in mourning. I mean, he just listened to that message from his wife over and over and over again on that phone. Mm -hmm. And at the end, his plan was, I'm going to break the Avengers, I'm going to kill myself. And T'Challa prevented him from doing that. But now this is a man who has had that time in prison. I'm assuming he wasn't dusted and he's been around for several years now. Mm -hmm. And the the hurt of that pain, that loss of his family has gone away. And what has 
uh, remained or what has come out of that is taking the ideas of breaking apart the Avengers, solidifying into this philosophy, and it feels much more like a natural progression for him than some of the stuff that I'm a little bit worried about with Sharon. You know, it's it's funny you say that, like, just thinking progression, I'm like, man, if if they go the route of Thunderbolts with him creating the Thunderbolts, I'm like, oh, they are building him up so well with this kind of second life, if you will. Yeah, uh, like you said, like Shannon said, his goal, his goal was accomplished. This is now victory lap. He's just like, oh, this is a whole new world I'm going to play in where yeah. I can do what I want. So it's fascinating. And, and you know, and just like we've seen both in Marvel and DC, like Lex Luthor never needed to have a superpower. His brain was a superpower. Zemo's from oh. that line of type of villains or antiheroes or or people who are in the gray area. Their mind overcomes whatever physical stuff you or whatever superpower you may have. They can mess with your brain because everyone's got one of those and everyone's brain can be messed with. Um, uh, one last uh, quick thing from this. They mentioned about the Patch Act being followed. Saw a number of sites mentioned that that be a, might be a little bit of a wink to the um, to the uh, alter ego of uh, Wolverine in Madripoor. It was called Patch. So they may be just making a little bit of a joke there uh, overall. All right, let's move on to next scene. Uh, let's see what we see. Right, right, right. So we head to Zemo, Sam, and Bucky now. We go back to them. Going to the Flag Smashers HQ there, uh, and Zemo talks about what the place looked like before uh, it, you know all of this happened, and we never got involved in politics. We just sat around having parties and being rich and blah blah blah, which is really insulting. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, Sam goes around to the different rooms. Zemo says, I-, "I promise I'll stay back." Bucky's doing his thing. Sam finally finds a teacher, and they have an interesting, another philosophical discussion about what the GRC promised versus what the GRC actually delivered as saying that they're not refugees they're disenfranchised people terms that we of course are hearing all the time now in the world of politics uh zemo true to form though zemo finds his way in and uh he uh seduces uh, these kids into telling him where this funeral is happening he offers them turkish delight and he sings baba black sheep which is a really uh, troublesome song now that uh, in in years in recent years people have complained about some of the racist undertones in that song. So very interesting decision to have him sing that. Uh, he finds out where the funeral for Donia Madani is. Uh, and then they head back to the apartment to talk about what they find out. I found out Sam talks about that for five years, the world came together to rebuild and survive after the blip. Unprecedented cooperation that all these people came back and everything went back to the way it was with borders and barbed wire and anger. And Carly represents that anger and frustration. Sam is trying to understand her motivations Zemo said, won't give too much away, says he's going to hold on to his leverage. And then Bucky turns on him like a mother and throws a, <laughs> uh, throws a cup of, of tea at the wall. And you see exactly what Zemo said when Bucky first showed up at the prison. There's still a little bit of that guy inside of you. Sam stops him, calls Sharon Carter. She's walking very calmly through a shady area of Madripoor surrounded by dudes with, with uh, uh, machine guns. And she reveals that the power broker went ape shit because of what happened to Nagel. She says, don't apologize when Sam tries to apologize. Just find Carly. All right, uh, Shannon, so much in this scene here for us to look at. What was your feeling as you were seeing the, the, the you know, uh, Zemo's seduction of these kids to have them tell them the information and then the back and forth with Zemo. They got Harry with Bucky and then Sharon Carter as well. 
Well, I love the three different approaches that uh, that Sam, mm. Bucky, and Zemo use to Good try point. to get information. How yeah. Bucky is as subtle as a sledgehammer. Uh, you, you heard of this person? You heard of this person? Whereas <laughs> Sam, Sam always is the guy who just wants to help people. Like he's listening yeah. to this teacher's this teacher's concerns. He's listening to their issues. Maybe I can make a call. It's the same thing he's he was saying to his sister in the first episode. Maybe I can do something. Maybe I can do something. Right. He genuinely wants to help. And Zemo is is using bribery um you know he, he's given the kids candy i mean this is something that like in u.s military operations that's that's what they would do they would give chocolate you know they're 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 he's trying to establish some goodwill um and the fact that you have this guy in a faux fur line collar saying you see those two guys they're bad don't trust them yeah. i was like i don't know i don't know if i'm gonna believe the guy in the fur <laughs> um, who's, who's singing Bob Bob Black Sheep. Uh, but it was really interesting, that tracking shot of uh, Sharon walking in past the armed gunmen through the barricades, just walking like it's just a normal day. Just calmly. I mean, yeah. They're, I mean, they're, they're definitely setting her up to be something. I'm hoping that's not the way they're going to go because right now it just seems so, it seems so apparent. But in WandaVision, it seems so apparent that Mephisto is going to show up. <laughs> so I, I sure hope that, that that's not did it though that, did it though it did the devil's in the that's details sure. that's not that's not the only place yeah. he is go forth demon spawn get out of yeah. here yeah. <laughs> uh, all right uh michael i'll go to you now next what did you think about uh these uh two scenes here as we saw uh more of this relationship between bucky and sam and uh zemo i I think that growing up, when our parents told us to not take candy from the creepy man, they were talking about Zemo. I mean, to Shannon's point, it's like, that is creepy. Uh, also, like, just, like, Turkish Delight, I can never not think about Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe. Like, it oh, is yes. the way, it's the way that the Winter Queen, oh. like, actually lured Edmund. Like, it's like, from the time that I was a little kid reading that book, I was always obsessed with what Turkish Delight tasted like, because she made it sound so good. And so, I don't know if it's, this is a subtle Lion, uh, the Witch, in the Wardrobe reference, but, like, luring kids in to do your bidding with Turkish Delight is very Chronicles of Narnia to me. Uh... Um, yeah, like, look, I think that what's really interesting about this scene and then the following scene back at the hotel is, to me, the most interesting stuff is breaking down a little bit more in more detail the difference with what happened in those five years uh, during the blip and where we're at now. Because you're really starting to get a little bit more information about it. Like, this idea that, like, things were so fucking bad. The entire world had this tragedy. And all the shit that we fight about every day uh, in global politics just kind of went out the window because we were instantly in, as humanity, we as the entire planet went into survival mode. So a lot of those differences, a lot of those borders, a lot of those ideals went by the wayside as people were just working to survive. And so you start to really see how, from the Flag Smashers perspective, uh, maybe there was good there. Like there were things that made sense. And so when everybody came back uh, and everybody uh, kind of wanted to get back to normal, yeah. Normal might not be the best way. It's something that kind of really resonates as we are, you know, all getting vaccinated and kind of coming out of this pandemic and everyone keeps talking about getting back to normal. But we're like, well, mm -hmm. maybe is, is there better than normal? Is there something different that could be uh, a little bit more interesting? Uh, and yeah, and again, just this idea that Sam wants, as Shannon was saying, you know, we were just talking about Steve Rogers before and the reason that he didn't succumb to Zemo's supremacy philosophy is because he just wanted to help. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And you've just got Sam in every scene that he's in just being very open, very honest, and very willing to listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as, as much as he has an agenda and he wants to find Carly and he wants to do it, he wants to find her to sort of calm things down, but he doesn't want to shut her down necessarily. Right. He's yeah. starting to really see in the way that he's uh, listening to everybody that she has some validity to what she says. So I think that's, to me, kind of the most interesting thing, particularly, as Kalinowski was saying earlier, the way that, you know, last week when she blew up that uh, GRC uh, depot that they had yeah. stolen everything from, we we're like, well, there's no coming back now. She's she's done. She's done. She's a bad guy. And in a way, Sam's a better man than we are because she does need to pay for what she did. What she did was wrong. But by jumping to the, well, this was the, like, we were John Walkering it. Well, she did a thing, so I don't have to listen to her anymore. Her, her point is invalid. And Sam is like, look, what you did was wrong, but your point might not be invalid. And I think that was all really interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, Kalinowski, this is great. Excellent points that Bogle brings up. Yeah. Brings up. What, what stood out to you as well? Well, for me, it was the teacher scene. And I, this might be a landmine I'm going to jump on here with this one. Okay. Because it reminded me, this guy talking, and we were all, we were all there for this. 9-11 happens. Yep. Instantly, as a nation, we were brought together. It didn't matter your color, your sex, anything about you. We were as one. We are going to we are going to stand together as a you know, as as one nation. Doesn't matter. And it's not that way anymore. And I hate every year. I and I, every year we see never forget, never forget on 9-11. Right. Never forget. We did forget. We did forget what it was to be like as our neighbors. Now we're attacking Asian people in the streets for no reason. And Black Lives Matter, but then, oh, well, White Lives Matter, too. It was like after 9-11 for a month or whatever, two months after that, none of that. We were all together as one group. And this guy is that vocal point of that. It's like, no, you're not, you said you were going to do this for us. You said you were going to be there. And you're not there for us, so I'm not taking anything. And it also is kind of current day. And I remember we fought so hard, the election. You know, we got to get this. And the minute the election happens, people are like, well, where's my stimulus? Ah, Democrats let me down. Where's my stimulus? You promised it. And it's like, it just happened. We just got an office. These things take right. time. And it's like, so you see both sides. And I think this plays politics so well. Mm-hmm. And I am sorry for people that don't think politics should be in stuff like this, but it is. But they don't they don't link it to other things. But we've part of this. We're past 20 years. We've gone through these things together as a nation. And we are these people, these separate, these people that were displaced now were, you know, so I see this. I see this. Like, this guy, this teacher, like, don't come to me with your false promises. I don't want to hear it. We've been through. You're not there for us. The Avengers aren't there for us. I don't. And Sam is. You see, Sam. He's such a good man. Yep. Like he's trying. He's not getting angry. He's not throwing back. He's like, whoa, this. We were, we were all fighting and we saved the planet. He's like, I see it, man. What's your name? Maybe I can help somehow. He still wants to help. Right. I, it just that scene hit. But it's us. It's yep. you know. It's we've been yeah. through stuff like this. I think that's an excellent point, Mike. And I'll jump on the landmine with you. To me, yeah. Zemo is in essence a bin Laden. A bin okay. Oh, sure. Split a, split the United States in half. And yes, we killed him, we caught him, but, but we have never recovered from 9-11 fully still. And it, the divisions grew even deeper. The anger, the fear, the paranoia, the Patriot Act. I mean, with Captain America, you can't remove the politics from Captain America. It's literally embedded in the story always from its origins into now. So I think they're being faithful with that. And you're right. I mean, how many times has America gone into a country, fixed it for their own benefits and sometimes their own resource benefits, and then got on out and left it and never covered it, never went back to check in to see what happened to the refugees? 
refugees, the people they've displaced, the people who got on the other side of things because they got what they needed out of that situation and moved on. It's not talking about hating the country. It's about dealing with the real stuff. And that's what that teacher is saying. How many times have we heard that you're yeah. going to help us? And I think that's why Sam, once again, Sam is, is becoming Captain America as the series goes along. He oh, yeah. does not take the shortcuts. He does not violate the ethics of Ross. He doesn't violate people's trust. He doesn't do underhanded stuff or go behind anyone's backs. He's really trying to figure this out and approach this from a peaceful point of view. Blood isn't the always the answer. He says that a little bit later. And this is a very powerful thing we're seeing, Sam, as he builds into becoming Captain America and that S.H.I.E.L.D. discussion. And we understand Carly. He wants to understand Carly. And I think this is powerful uh, and, and maybe not a reactionary thing that we want to see in our superheroes. But I think it's an important thing to see in shows like this. Mikey, I'm sorry. You were going to say something? No, I was going to say, you know, I mean, I think this is what I really love about the Marvel Universe. Uh, you know, with Civil War, they dealt... We all love superheroes. But the reality is, in a world where people have the ability to do the things that superheroes do and have the types of fights that superheroes have, there are ramifications. And oftentimes, we just sort of ignore those because we want to see the cool fights and the big moments. But Civil War is all about collateral damage. I mean, Civil War is like, hey, by the way, when these big fights happen, shit goes down and mm -hmm. somebody's got to answer for that and now we're having the same thing like you brought up a really good point when you just said you know like like sam could have been the guy that was like hey half the universe disappeared and we saved everybody from an alien army so fuck you like we right. did our job but right. the fact exactly. is that like that is true they did do that and that is what we expect superheroes to do but the result is there's a lot of shit that gets left behind like there's yeah. things that happen as a result of those things and nobody's paying attention. And that is such an apt analogy to America, American uh, foreign policy. Like yes. there's definitely a lot of things that we can pull from that, but it's a really, really interesting and gray, muddy area uh, to, to dive into. And I like that they're diving into it. Uh, it's a hard place to stick the landing. So we're gonna see where we yeah. end with all this after two more episodes. Like you, you don't wanna have all these really interesting discussions and then get to the end and say, but we're gonna go back to the status quo because that's what's cool. Like, you know, so it's gonna be interesting to see where it ends. But let me just, to that point, and just thinking forward, we got two episodes left. Yeah. They haven't said like with WandaVision, like there is no talk of this is it. There right. could be season two, season three. You know, Shannon had a discussion. We could talk at the end of this episode, but so that's still open. You know, we're, yeah, I don't know if we'll true. get definitive. They haven't confirmed it's, it. It, it is, uh, and I know we gotta move on, but like it is, but yeah. the only thing I would say to that is, this idea of okay. the GRC, the Global Repatriation Council, yeah. this idea gotcha. that people are displaced during the blip, that has to carry through yes. into oh, the yeah. Marvel Universe. Yeah. Uh, and, and this idea, you know, like, like we, and we've talked about this before, but like in Spider-Man Far From Home, the idea that Aunt May was a displaced person was kind of played as a joke. Uh, you know, kind yeah. of played as a, yeah, I, I, I blipped in, the guy thought that I was the mistress, but like, and, <laughs> and the assumption is that Aunt May got her apartment back. I mean, the right. assumption is that these people that were living in her apartment, whoever they were, got displaced, said, hey, you can't live here anymore, she got this. And so like, you know, like it's the, there's certain people that were like, oh, I'm glad you got your apartment back. And now we're seeing the other side of that and showing that level of, um, human suffering of, of yeah. tragedy and then just saying, oh, okay, well, Sam patted Carly on the back and said, you're good kid, but we're not gonna deal with it. Like, it's gonna be interesting to see from the bigger Marvel Universe point where they go with all that. 
That's a good point. All right, let's move on to the next scene here. We go to a graveyard. Speaking of the aforementioned Carly here, and she's with Nico, uh, one of the uh, fellow flag smashers there to discuss if making more super serum uh, people is the right thing. And this is an interesting discussion they get into here in the graveyard because, in essence, these are this is the writers using Nico to essentially validate Carly and the decision she's made. Nico admits he was a Captain America fan. Carly is kind of questioning whether she's go- walking the right path. And Nico says, you are. Nico says, you know, my grandfather said this and that. And, you know, and he fought the Nazis. And it's so cool. But he also says, in a way to kind of like maybe excuse her, he says like, well, that was a different time. And heroes now can't be heroes without getting their hands dirty a little bit or bloody. Uh, and so you're a hero for our time uh, in that situation. And then they talk about the shield. Uh, and uh, uh, she says that she wants to destroy the shield and says the shield is a monument to a bygone era and the people it left out. And she, as I said, she thinks the shield should be destroyed. So let's do this one really quickly because we got a bigger scene to talk about next. Thoughts as you see this? Uh, was this a way of maybe getting the audience back on board, uh, Kalinowski, with Carly? Or what do you think? Um, yeah, it was, I mean, it was a necessary to scene, understand but... her more, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I think it was just kind of giving it, well, we got to show where the super soldier serum is hidden like, right? because she didn't have it on. So we needed to give the audience. And I appreciate whereas last scene, we were like, how did he get the card in the cell? What happened to this was one of those scenes. It was exposition to get us this serum where, where she's been keeping it. So she could keep it, you know, and we see how much of it's left yeah. and it sets up later when it does get, you know, out in the open on that one floor. So, you know, it's again, it's the moral fiber of these characters. Like the guy yeah. loved Captain America and, you know, it, it's fascinating to see where, you know, he might come to face face with Captain America. And it's not the cap that he fell in love with. But right. knowing going on is like, will I have to fight this man who I, am I fighting the symbol or am I fighting the man yeah. that I idolize? And, 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 you know, symbols, that's the thing with symbols. Is it the person that occupies it or is it the symbol itself? So, yeah, it, you know, it, it accomplishes its goal. For sure. The scene. Shan? Yeah, good, good, solid, quick scene. I mean, uh, it was a really uh, uh, sort of an innocuous seed to plant, how he said he was a Captain America fan. Like, that's something that, you know, people people say in this type of world. Like, oh, I actually really like Captain America. And to know the turn that it's going to take uh, kind of makes it all the more tragic. Um, right. But but then also when he said, you know, I didn't think there could be another Captain America until I met you. And, and from his point of view, like, Carly is... She might be doing the wrong things, but she's doing them for the right reasons, which is something Steve Rogers did in the past. Yeah. Uh, Vogel, this is some dangerous conversation here, right? I mean, this idea that heroes, she's essentially getting validated for blowing and killing these people by her fellow Flag Smasher. Uh, And as Shannon mentioned here as well, this idea of what she represents uh, as a Captain America, as a freedom fighter. And we hear her dialogue later. She is really starting to believe this kind of more grandiose approach to herself. What do you think about this? Well, I think something about that, but I I think something about that, but I can't believe you're all leaving out the most important part of this scene. Go ahead. Go ahead. They keep the super soldier serum in Mm -hmm. a fanny pack. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this is... (laughs) You're going to keep it. This is the most important, like, this is some of the most valuable stuff on earth. And she's like, hey, move that stone. Let me grab my fanny pack. (laughs) I was like... Listen, man. I was just—it's an I love that you can travel with it. Stuff on Earth. Yeah. Would you look in a fanny pack? No, no it's brilliant. It's a brilliant move. 
You know, walk around with a silver suitcase. Yeah, yeah. you want a silver suitcase with like you know imprinted with the company. Super on soldier it. serum. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Like you walk into it, you walk into a big town square. You're like, somebody's got the super soldier. So somebody's got the super serum. It's like, is it in that briefcase? Is it in that treasure chest? Or is it in the fanny pack? Like I was like, I just thought it was the funniest thing. But more seriously, to Johnny's point, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think that this was to Kalinowski's point. It's a necessary scene. It does show us where the serum is. Uh, but I do think that they really hit some interesting beats in the bigger philosophy. Like, mm-hmm. look, Zemo has this whole belief of, uh, you know, the whole problem with being a super soldier is that it corrupts you and it leads to supremacy. And you see that in action here because. Having Nico say he he looked up to Captain America, he liked Captain America, and to him, Carly is the next Captain America because she's willing to fight for what she believes in. The problem with this is what she believes in is not necessarily what everyone believes in. So to him, she could be a Captain America, but to someone else, she's a terrorist. So she's not all-encompassing. But even the very fact that he says that he looked up to Steve Rogers kind of just subtly implies the idea that like Steve Rogers kind of inspired everyone. That's what made him Captain America. And so right. here you have this point that like he Carly is a Captain America to him. Um and the other idea, this idea that he that that Carly kind that they kind of threw out there where he says uh to what Johnny said where he's like we don't have the luxury of being a hero who doesn't get to have get their hands dirty is very close to what Zemo is saying to Sam and Bucky, where he's yeah. like, I'm willing to go the distance on this for what I believe in. And so again, you have all of these people with differing agendas, all thinking that they're right yeah. and all thinking that they're justified. And the only person in the middle of all this who's kind of trying to listen to everybody is Sam, which I thought was yeah. really, really interesting. You it's know, it's point. funny you say that. It's a great point because it made me remember in Winter Soldier. And if he's talking about idolizing Steve Rogers, I'm sure, you know, the Smithsonian uh, exhibit. So he knows yeah. the history. All his battles are no. And Fury told him, he's like, yeah, I read your files. You know, America's generation, greatest generation. You guys did some pretty bad stuff. He's like, yeah, we did. We weren't proud of it. But we did it so we could be free. Like Steve yeah. has done. He's killed people. He has done stuff. Right. So to see Carly, he believes in Carly. He's like, yeah, he knows you've got to get your hands dirty. But if the end outcome is the greater good. Um, we're on board with that. So it's fast because Steve, it wasn't always as squeaky clean. So he did some bad stuff. Tissue. Right. And, and, uh, and the other thing that I just really quickly, and mm. you said it, Johnny, you said the thing, but I do think it's like worth re-mentioning is this idea that the shield is a memento of a bygone era and a reminder of all the people history left out. Yeah. Because as great as Cap is and as inspiring as he is, he comes from an era he comes from this, he's an, he represents an idealized version of what America is. All the good things that we like to think about America. But as we have really dealt with in this past year, that idealized version of America was not everyone's idealized version of America. Well, some of us have been dealing with it since birth. So yeah, this is Fair. a very good point. Yeah, It's been more but, aware of finally once and for all. But the, the shield is not just the shield. In, in our real world, the symbolism is the flag, right? That's why they burn it in other countries. That's why they tear it apart. That's why they denigrate it. It's a way of uh, trying to insult or highlight their anger towards America and some of the policies they've done. The shield kind of takes the place of that in this world for sure. But what's... Uh, Yeah. Uh, No, sorry. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go go ahead. ahead. You won't let me... Well, no, I was just going to say what's interesting about this whole show is that this the whole show is built upon the idea that Sam, at the beginning of this series, feels like the shield is a symbol of one thing. Yeah. And it really does feel like by having these conversations, it's almost like a what this shield represented 
is not necessarily what this shield needs to represent going forward. And so yep. I think it's going to be interesting to see where that whole conversation goes. Which is, once again, why Steve gave Sam the shield. Steve knew. Steve always knew. He's the best of everyone. So, all right, except, uh, you know, with Team Iron Man. I am Team Iron Man. All right, Captain America and Battlestar uh, confront Zemo, Sam, and Bucky. Captain America's Joe Walker found them. They found them. They have this. They have this random argument in the Latvian streets here. Cap is pissed, uh, and they debate how they're going to go about doing this op. He tries to stop Zemo. They have some back and forth here. Sam being calm. Everyone else is kind of already ready. Sam and Lamar both have Battlestar. Both are calm in this situation. Sam is the one saying, "Look, I've counseled veterans like this before. Let me go in and talk to him." And John Walker with a very revealing line here. This is a veteran. Remember, this is a veteran. He says that he knows soldiers like this and that it won't work out. So essentially saying, don't talk to these people with PTSD. They're unstable. Ugh. Anyway, Zemo pays off the little girl who shows him the way to the funeral. Walker, uh, once again, feels like he's one step behind. They physically put him one step behind everyone else to really reinforce that here. They go into the building where the funeral is uh, is happening. Uh, Zemo, I mean, uh, uh, Walker cuffs Zemo, gives Sam 10 minutes. Uh, Carly is delivering a powerful eulogy and sees Sam watching. She says that we have to do for each other because they don't. Once again, this is what people do in these movements. They, we know who they are. It's always good to never name them. Just put that little like blanket generalization around them. Uh, Walker is getting frustrated with the waiting. And then Sam and Carly have this fantastic philosophical discussion. She initially pushes back thinking he's condescending to her because she's younger. She says people need the, around the world need her. She says people need her. Mm, this is interesting. What we've spoken about, the super soldier serum, how it changes you, how it makes you feel or brings out this part of you. Sam says it's not a better place if you're killing people. It's just different. I think that's a great line. She gives him some uh, some love for that. Then she pushes back and says corporations are the real supremacists when he indicates that people are calling her supremacists. This goes on, and then Walker gets frustrated, busts through the door, Carly thinks this has been Sam tricking her, and they, it, it leads to a massive fight. Zemo escapes, car, shoots Carly, uh, uh, behind, shoots her until she gets up behind a table, sees all the super soldier, soldier serum on the ground. He stomps it all out and then gets knocked, almost stomps it all out, and they get, gets knocked out by John Walker's shield. And Walker sees one last vial. We knew this was coming, ladies and gentlemen, and he pockets the vial. Mikey, so much just in this sequence here. Talk to me about what stood out for you. Whew, okay, well, that was, a, that was a lot. I didn't know we were going to yeah. go through all that. But, That's the uh, whole scene, man. I got to do it. First of all, yeah. first of all, I think every time Walker and Hoskins show up in this episode, every, you, can, you can sum up their entrance like this. All right, guys, that's enough is enough. Like every single time, enough is enough, guys. We're done with this. Uh, I did think, to your point, it was odd that this entire scene just like randomly happened in the streets. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, it's like, it's like Hoskins and Walker seem like they have no government support. There's nobody else working with them. They're just on a road trip together and just keep following Sam and Bucky. So it, was, it feels a little weird. Like I felt like I wanted something else, but that was a very minor quibble. Uh, yeah, I thought it was interesting. I do think it's interesting that it's very clear, and, and we saw this in previous episodes, but in this episode especially, you really see that Hoskins is like the voice of reason for yes. Walker. That he yes. he is he is that he is that sort of like I know my I know my buddy, I know how to deal with this guy, and he's the one that he's the cooler head that keeps prevailing. He's the one who 
kind of keeps Walker every single time. He's like, hey, maybe it's a good idea. Sam did work with work yeah. with these guys. Like he's always there, kind of being like, this is let's let's keep it calm, uh, which is clearly very important for the direction that this episode ends up taking. Um, loved, loved, loved the Sam and Carly scene. Uh, I think the conversation between the two of them is great. To me, this was like, we keep talking about it, but this was the moment that you were like, Sam should be Captain America. Like, this is it. Like, this is exactly why. Uh, Because he does the thing that's really hard to do. He... He's open, he's honest about what he disagrees with, with Carly, but he also is willing to listen. He's like, I understand your frustration. I understand your helplessness. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and when she says you're either brilliant or hopelessly optimistic, mm-hmm. you're like, well, that, that sounds like Captain America to me. Uh, so and it's he says, really like, can I be both? And she's like, yeah, no, can I? Can't. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, so I thought that was really great. And even the way that he kind of points out to her subtly, he's like, you know, when he's talking about Zemo and he's like, look, the guy that I know that knows more about super soldiers than anyone, uh, thinks you're a supremacist, a supremacist. And she's like, that's ridiculous. And he's like, well, you're building an army. What are you going to do with it? And she's like, well, if any of these roadblocks get in my way, I'm going to do what I have to do because, and he's like, because you're a supremacist. And she's like, no, you tricked me. But like, you just see how he says, she says she's going to kill them. Yes. That's what makes it, yeah, really powerful. Sorry, Mike, go ahead. Yeah. But, but you see that, like, even in that, like, he, yeah. he's doing this great, he's, he's meeting her on her ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he tells her, look, I agree with your fight. I just don't agree with the way you're fighting it. Like, he's saying everything in the right way. And then, of course, fucking Walker just <laughs> barrels in. Carly, you're under arrest. Like, just, like, no, no discussion, no anything. Yeah. Uh, and you're like, God. Damn it. And like, you, you know, it has to happen. Uh, and then with Zemo, you know, like to your point, Johnny, like, well, is Zemo the power broker? Is Zemo the one that wants all this super soldier serum? I'm like, no, Zemo is exactly what he says he is. Yeah. Zemo, Zemo, Zemo's strength is not in his deception. Zemo's strength is in his blatant honesty. He's like, I don't think there should be super soldiers. I think this is a bad idea. I don't want gods walking around. And when he sees the super soldier serum, he does exactly what he you would expect him to do, which is just destroy it. And of course, when he does, we all know when Walker comes in, there's going to be one vial left. And we all know that motherfucker is going to take it. Nope. Uh, so, yeah, it was it was all great. A lot of really good, you know... In a show where sometimes it feels like we're sort of like in past episodes, we're kind of slogging through and we're not really moving the ball forward. This moved all the balls forward. Like Sam and Carly got close to a connection. Walker fucked everything up. Zemo destroyed the serum. Like it was like boom, 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 boom. You're like you're, you're yeah. lining everything up to get to these last two episodes, which was great. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Shannon, I mean, this is also what was interesting here. And Michael, you make an excellent point about Zemo. And I wonder if Zemo, because the Avengers did save the planet did bring uh, you know half the galaxy back that zemo has maybe changed his mind a little bit about the avengers not about super soldiers necessarily uh but maybe about the avengers a little bit because that maybe that's why he's working with them but who knows we shall see as it comes on but shannon this a lot as michael stated a lot here uh to to explore and get into sam really i think that's the heart of this whole sequence is the Sam and Carly discussion becoming so close, the tragedy of coming so close to negotiation 
And Walker keeps doing the things that Lamar tells him not to do. Remember in the, I think two episodes ago, Lamar said to him, you can't punch your way out of these situations anymore. You got to think a little bit. You got to hang back, you know, but there's the arrogance. There's the white privilege. There's the caucasity that he can bust through and solve things and tell people where to go because he's wearing a shield or he's wearing a symbol or he represents America. And that's the arrogance at times of the American approach to things. And I think that's what's being highlighted in a subtle way or overt way, depending on how you see it. What do you think overall about this sequence here? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I said, I think I said last episode, Lamar is uh, Walker's moral tether. Yeah. I mean, he's the one guy that can talk him off the ledge be like, hey, maybe we should just listen to these guys. Like, let's just let's just take a second. Um, I love Zemo's dismissiveness of Walker in front of him. Like, once oh, it's sort yeah. of decided, he's like, no, no, we're going to see where this goes. He sort of touches him on the forearm and just kind of <laughs> gently nudges him out of the way. <laughs> I mean, Daniel Brühl is just is just fantastic i mean and then the the sam and carly scene is obviously awesome and, and getting to see this other side of sam this this counselor you know this mm -hmm. person who what he does well is talk to people and then you find out carly is smart i mean she's like sam yeah. you're the people who i'm fighting are trying to take your house i mean you're really getting these moments of where you know sam sees her point of view right and it's just Oh yeah, that was another thing with uh, with Walker when he when <laughs> Sam is saying I'm going to go talk to Carly like I'm going to go talk to her by myself and Walker looks at Bucky he's like Are you going to let him do this? Yeah, as if Bucky can can stop him and right. and and it's like like kind of taking away Sam's agency almost and then oh, as really? Zemo is handcuffed and you see this you see this unhinged quality of him mm -hmm. of like nope 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 this doesn't work this doesn't work. And and I, I love that this relationship between Sam and Bucky is developing and it's developing very we're getting little we're getting little tidbits. But I think those tidbits mean a lot, like as as Walker is kind of starting to flip out and Bucky says he knows what he's doing. Right. Like right. it hasn't been 10 minutes. You said 10 minutes. Give him a second. And as Walker starts to go in, how Bucky stops him and Walker knows he's got that. He can't get past Bucky. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. but then he appeals to like your partner is in there. He, without backup. Yeah. And right. as soon as that chase starts, I mean, I know Kalinowski has said this before, but the super soldier action, you mm. see Carly leap up this, this uh, stairwell, Bucky's right behind her. That action is just so satisfying. And you get yeah. to see how badass the super soldier serum can actually make you. And with her dropping the vials and Zemo, it's almost glee in Zemo's face as he is he is stomping this thing. He's he is putting an end to this once and for all. I mean, yep. just a fantastic sequence, like really. And this is why this episode is definitely my favorite of the series thus yeah, far. And, and I saw some people. It's great points, Shannon. Absolutely. And I saw some people online speak about how they are subtly dealing with racism here. You know, I kind of digged it at dinged it at the beginning, but I'm seeing their approach here. They don't have to overtly state it. It is there. What Carly says, they're taking your house, Sam. And Sam says, yeah, you sound like my sister, Sarah, and reveals what she's been saying. There's that. The fact that Walker is going to talk to another white man about the black man. Like that kind of shit is all operating right there. And you can catch it if you're aware of it. If you're paying attention, you can catch the symbolism of a guy wearing American Matt talking to another white dude about what this black guy should be doing. There's all of that, right, just kind of bubbling under the surface amongst what we're seeing overtly on the scene as well. What did you think overall, Kalinowski? What did you take from this? 
Well, I, it's funny because I the, the way that Walker does show up with Vol- the vocal mention, it's kind of like this is funny. Like when he's constantly just showing up, but it's it's I think done on purpose because when Steve, whenever he would show up, it was a big thing. Like whenever you walk, like right, the Avengers, right. he's walking oh, into the, he's walking into the hel- yeah. the helicopter. He's like, "Sir, we need to borrow that jet." And he, he, I mean, it's a three shot of him and Blackwood and Hawkeye, and they're strutting up. Like anytime Steve is that suit came into a room, it was known. This he's just like a guy bumbling down a street. Like, oh, okay, well, you left us behind. Like, right. it, because he doesn't have the respect of Steve. No, it, it, it works so point, well. Mike. You're like, yeah. oh, he doesn't have an escort. He's just trailing along. And I thought <laughs> I think it's brilliant the way they handle it because we as audience members are kind of like, look at him just coming down the sidewalk there. I thought it was great. And then also <laughs> this scene for me with Sam and Carly, because I've always wanted, I want Bucky in that cap suit. I know yeah. I, at the end of Endgame, I want him to have it. Like this is, I can't, I, let's see if we got it right here. Like, um, so I just like, I don't know if you see it. Like, that's what I want to see, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But this was the episode I was like, I want Sam to be cap. Not, mm-hmm. I know he's going to be cap. It's like, I want Sam to be cap. He, this was the scene like, and what I loved about it was, and it showed me what was different about Steve because it reminded me of the scene where Steve sat down with Wanda in Civil War on the bed. And he didn't have answers. She's trying to find answers. And he's like, and he doesn't have that reassuring tone. He's kind of in his, he's like, I don't. Yeah. Well, we'll do it together. And no, that's not your responsibility. It's my responsibility too. But this was Sam listening to her and bringing down to her level. And it was a side to Steve I've never seen. Uh, So for me, I was like, oh, that's it. That's the key. There he is. That's Falcon. Uh, That's Falcon turning into cap and earning his place making him different and better than Steve. And that's why Steve, I think, gave him that shield because he could be better than him. And it was the one area where I would think maybe Steve didn't always have the answers. Like he wasn't the best orator and like even trying to talk to Tony, he, it's just like, they always, it was a one kind of road bump for him where he's not the perfect man, but, and again, Falcon's not perfect, but I was like, that was the scene for me as a fan I was like, I don't want Bucky anymore in the suit. It's, it's, it, I want Steve. I want Sam. So, yeah, yeah. Steve's from a different time. Sam is yeah. from the current time. So he knows how to be Captain America or he's discovering how to be Captain America for this time. And, uh, Vogel, oh, yeah, sorry, well, John, real quick, what you said about with the, you know, two white guys talking about the black, I think it's done so well because hmm. I don't think Walker's racist. I don't think, no, he's no, a, no. But, but I think it's is... like every white guy in America right now, we're talking to like, what you're saying is racist and how you're treating is racist is like, but I'm not, I'm not, it's like, but you're oblivious to it. And I'm guilty of it myself where I've had yeah. to be called out on it because of the way we don't well, think and we, because of the situation. So I think Walker is not, they're not painting him as this evil racist, but because his privilege and he comes from and he doesn't think about it. And it's just another thing that he's just not factoring in. And I love that layer they're giving to him. Yeah, well, I mean, on this week's show, on this week's show, uh, Geek Buddy Show, you know, we talked yep. about the whole Ray Fisher article in the in the Hollywood Reporter. Yep. And to your point, and I think this is what the Falcon and Winter Soldier is doing as a show as well, is like, look, I don't need to see a show with a bunch of mustache twirling uh, Klansmen who are all <laughs> overt racists. Uh, I can see enough of that just driving through parts of our country but like what but what's interesting here is in the same way as the ray fisher article it's it's the lack of sensitivity and the lack of listening yeah and i mean i think that's really what it boils down to here is that an understanding and this is what we've been talking about with everyone in this show an understanding that not all experiences are equal and everyone is having a different experience and in the world of the mcu the experience of people who disappeared for five years and then just showed up again is one kind of trauma. Right. And the experience of people that were here through all of it and survived 
and then suddenly got displaced is another kind of trauma. And Sam, as someone who was dusted and was way more on the inside of what was going on, uh, is trying to listen to someone whose experience is different than his own and understand where they're coming from. And John Walker is not listening. And, you know, so much of all of this stuff, when we get into sensitivity and differences and otherness and everything is all about the fact that whether it be black people, LGBTQ people, trans people, uh, Asian Americans, like whatever it is, that there are vastly different experiences and the best thing that we can do is listen. And that's what the Sam scene is. Yep, absolutely. And and you see that very clearly throughout. And it's as Shannon mentioned, it's Lamar who's like trying to tell him, hey, John, why don't we hand back? Why don't we show up? Let Sam do his thing. It's Lamar who's constantly trying to pull him back. And we'll see what happens uh, when Lamar gets removed from the situation. All right. Uh, let's see. We go back to Carla. She's treating her injury. Uh, she is hurt. Uh, I think that's right. Yeah, she's hurt uh, uh, that the vials were destroyed. She says she should have acted quicker. She reveals that she that she felt that they were ch- the chosen one. All these people being put together in the same camp, you know, where they normally would have hated each other because of borders. They've come together as essentially a unified group, and they feel she feels they've been chosen to fight this fight. They get a text from the power broker saying, you played revolutionary borrowed time, little girl. I want the serum back or I will end you. She plans out that they need to separate everyone for the next fight. And then she says, and we need to kill Captain America. Just overtly straight up say it. You can tell the other flag smashers are a little uncomfortable about it, including Nico uh, in this situation. So this is once again a very powerful decision by her that she wants to kill Captain America. Gentlemen, quickly, your thoughts on this a decision by her that she wants to kill him overtly kill it i mean we all want to kill him so i don't want to kill him all all of twitter all of twitter wants to kill oh that's fair that's fair (laughs) poor wyatt right you know you do see where like maybe where the writers are like well we got to make her bad again like we gotta because we just had the audience like Mm -hmm. that scene with her and sam is so damn good but i think it's a reaffirming like well her motives, she's not changing on that motive. What Sam did yeah. to her, her thoughts are not. Yeah, she goes down yeah. in dark. It seems like they're she's double downing. She's doubling down. Yeah, I don't like, know. I, well, okay. Go ahead, go ahead, Shannon. No, go ahead, well, Shannon. I mean, I, I was just, just gonna point out that, again the the badassery of the super soldier serum that she can take a bullet to the gut. Yeah, and and keep and keep going. Yeah, yeah, true. And to get ready for another fight. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, uh, Mike. Yeah, I think it's less about reminding us that she's a bad guy because I think what this show is really trying to say is that like the classifications of good guy and bad guy are kind of not necessarily applicable to real life, mm-hmm. uh, but more showing that she, the whole the whole thing about saying that I thought we were the chosen one, people from different places who would have hated each other coming together, like it's 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 why she believes so strongly in her cause. Yep. And why she believes the best thing. I mean, look, Zemo is saying we got to kill Carly. Uh, John Walker is like, I guess, saying we need to bring Carly in. But I think he, we all know that he would have no problem just killing her. So everyone around, again, everyone around our core team here uh, wants to kill somebody because they think they're right, including yeah. her. So I think it's less about reminding us that she's a bad guy and just really like setting the stakes. Yep. Yep. And um yeah, and, and that's the thing. And listen, I'll bring this up now. I've spoken to a couple of younger people, you know, being on SDN on Schmode Entertainment, like hearing from some of the reviewers or critics or the younger people uh, in our crew who watch this entertainment. They like these great characters. They love great characters all around. So this is also being smart about how you're writing these characters to appeal to what a majority of the public wants to see now. 
and the demographic you want to attract to your media. So challenging us to accept her, understand her, how close she came. Sam looking like he's been, or her thinking Sam might have betrayed her uh, under his protestations. And then her saying, look, we got to kill Captain America. This is very powerful stuff that you as a viewer are being challenged to find understanding or grace for these characters as you go about. Because as Michael said, we don't want mustache twirling villains anymore. We like the gray. Killmonger was really, I know Loki did too, but Killmonger really kind of broke that gray as a villain in the Marvel Universe. And then Thanos after him, for sure. And Hayward. Yes. Oh, no, you son of a bitch. You tricked him. You tricked I feel him. like I feel like Carly. You tricked me. You to say it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I think Hayward was the closest we've gotten to a mustache twirling villain in the true. MCU. That's, yeah, that's some bad writing. That's bad writing. Anyway. Yeah, that's a bad writing. Anyway, all right, let's go to the next scene. Sam, Sam and Zemo in the apartment. This is uh, my second favorite scene in the show. Them having the back of all to see Zemo kind of like just suffering from bad migraine with, uh, but he's got, the, of course, he's got his liquor with him as well. And they have a back and forth and discussion about whether Sam would have taken the super soldier serum. First of all, he asks if it was offered to him, and this is really telling. He says, no, they did not offer it to me. And then he says, well, if they would have, would you have taken it? He says, no. And it's a and and Zemo is surprised at the quickness with which Sam turns it down. Maybe this alliance deepening between these two guys, where initially they were very far apart on this. Uh, uh, Zemo says they can't be allowed to let super soldiers exist. Sam says that that's how gods talk. Uh, and and what about Bucky? Uh, what would you do about Bucky? Which is really telling. Then Bucky comes in, says there's something wrong with Walker. Then Walker bursts in without missing a beat. Sam all right, to- guys. All right, enough, guys. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> Sam tries to stop him with his words, and essentially Walker challenges him to a fight. I mean, this is something you see in a bar. He puts down his shield. He goes, what do you want to do now, Pally? Uh, and just we're about to maybe get into this battle, the Dora Milaje show up, led by Io here, and Walker tries to announce himself to the Dora Milaje. How you doing, John Walker, Captain America? <laughs> uh, and really, they have no... No qualms about just putting, just like not even looking at this guy. And he smirks and says they don't have jurisdiction. And she says, without missing a beat, Io, he says the Dora Milaje have jurisdiction wherever the Dora Milaje find themselves to be. Walker touches A up. Cardinal sin once again. <laughs> the arrogance of the white man putting his hand on the black woman. Then it pops off like crazy. They all fight some comedic moments as well where they're going, Walker, you're doing really good. You know, all of this. <laughs> Walker getting his butt kicked, uh, even with his shield. Bucky tries to stop AO when AO is essentially going to kill Captain America herself, possibly. And she pulls a five finger kill Bill punch move and <laughs> separates his arm from his body. And Bucky is shocked that this was even possible. Zemo takes advantage of it, escapes. And one of the Dora even takes Cap's shield after they've thrown a, a spear through it uh, and uh, flips it onto her arm. Bucky reattaches her arm. Uh, then uh, AO says, uh, leave it. We, we got to go get Zemo. Uh, Battlestar checks on Walker, who is clearly out of his depth, and he mutters to himself, they weren't even super soldiers. Kind of understanding, maybe for the first time, how really out of his depth he is and how desperate he is about having to figure out what he's going to do next. Sam gives him a dead eye stare because, once again, Sam Walker's aggression has cost them uh, uh, Zemo like it cost them Carly. And uh, 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 what Bucky and uh, Sam go, wow, I can't believe he pulled the El Chapo 
as uh, Bucky or as uh, Zemo <laughs> slid out from under the tunnels. Uh, so, uh, Kalinowski, what was your feeling yeah. on this team, my man? Dude, like like Shannon said earlier, like the, the, the action hits on all the right beats in the show. And yeah. I, I was talking to Shannon because we were thinking about this. Like, I know when COVID shut down, this production shut down. And yes. then when they re-went back up, they went to Prague. So most of this episode you could tell was in Prague. Like mm-hmm. this, I think, was filmed later. I don't know if the action per se, but for me, what I did notice, it was in that early scene because it was in the trailers on the truck with them fighting on the two yeah. trucks. That was in an early trailer. So that was filmed early because they had yep. add post-production to that. This scene you could tell was filmed later because the problem I had with John Walker, one of the reasons I thought he was a super soldier early on is he was holding his own. Like yep. against super soldiers, he was kicking, he was throwing the shield. I think the stunt team, the writer, the directors, I think they like, look, we they found their footing as they went on with his fighting because this showed him out of line. Like if they would have showed the John we saw in that first scene, hmm. he would have been much better in this fight scene. Like he's just yep. getting knocked around like a freaking rag doll. Like, and that's how he needed to be. We needed to see John Walker out of his element. He should have been in that first scene, I think, a little more not out of his element, but handled them a little bit better, but still yep. gotten his butt kicked because it needs to be the build to I need this serum. I got beat by the super soldier. I get beat by the dramology. I need to be better. Yeah. So for me, this was the scene. I was like, just showing him, just getting whooped. And like, <laughs> what I loved is too with Bucky. This is interesting because you saw it in his face with yeah. the arm. His whole life was people doing things to him that he didn't, was it, oh, against his will. Good point. The Wakandans put this in there to be able to disable his arm without him knowing it. Right. And well, these are people said- that he trusted. Yeah, and Ao said, "I'm never going to let you hurt somebody." Yeah, this is interesting how that connects. And they to put that in home. there as a failsafe to stop him, and I was yeah. just like, "Oh, that's a trust breaker." Dad, <laughs> you you were that with man at a campfire singing "Kumbaya, my lord," coming together, and now you had that built into him to stop him. Did you not yeah. trust him fully? Because if you did trust him fully, you wouldn't have done that. So I'm like, "Oh, that's that's." I mean, it was a great scene, but you see Bucky did it like, "Wow!" You see, yeah, there was that look, and he was just like. Not only was like, well, oh, I didn't know it could do that. It was like, wow. And because he does that, where he flips his arm around to lock it in. It's like, oh, he's pissed. That's so a badass me, move, by the way. Oh, the just that yeah, scene. Right? And I'm just like, even the people he trusted that he was with for however many years or yeah. whatever. He's like, oh, they didn't trust me enough. Yeah. Damn it. I'm yeah. still that killer. No one's, it, it goes back to it's like, no one is going to trust me because of my past. So for me, chef's kiss to all that in there. Absolutely agree, yes, Mikey. Yes. You had a, I thought a sense from you, maybe a little bit of a counterpoint here. What did you think about this scene and what? Kind uh, of uh, I loved everything about the scene. I just uh, the counterpoint is a little bit like I don't think that like I think you needed Walker to look more capable at the beginning of the series. Uh, totally understanding Kalinowski's point about like I, my justification in my head. No, this isn't in the series at all. Is that as much as the Flag Smashers are super soldiers, they're not the most trained fighters in the world. Like they're kids. Right. Uh, so, but I think that had you had Walker get his butt kicked then and then get his butt kicked here, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have gone with him on this journey. Like at the beginning of the show, he thinks he can handle this. He thinks he can be Captain America. This is, this is a wake up call, this scene. Like it really, it really has. And had he already sort of been, uh, doofy Captain America, it wouldn't have necessarily (laughs) had the weight that this, that this scene has. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, I, I love, I love that it was a great, the Dora Milaje are just awesome. Like they're just, they've, they're, they're awesome in the comics. They're awesome in Black Panther. They're awesome everywhere they show up. Uh, I do think her, uh, the Dora Milaje have jurisdiction wherever the, the Dora Milaje find themselves to be might be the best line in the entire series. It is like, do not fuck with them. 
but yeah, I mean, everything about this scene, I love that Sam, that we're setting up this idea that Sam wouldn't even take the super soldier serum just to counterpoint him against what we're about to see happen with Walker. Uh, and I do think that Zemo in his way, and you know, I think Zemo's issue is with super powered people. Um, but I think that John, you might be right. I didn't really think about it until you said it, but I think that there might be this sort of, I think he respects Sam. Yeah. I think that I think that even the fact that Sam kind of is arguing with him and pointing out, he's like, well, isn't what you're saying how a god would sound? I think that Zemo may have some kind of level of respect for Sam that he doesn't have for Bucky, who he thinks of as bad for having the super soldier serum, a Carly, other people. Um, the Dormilaje fight was great. Uh, the the nobody stepping up to help Walker or Hoskins was great. Uh, just the, we should... Yeah. We should do something. I guess we should step in. Like you just see that they're like, we don't like these guys. Yeah. Like we don't, we don't respect them. We don't like them. Like we don't really even want them around. Uh, and yeah, just the fact that the, the Dora Milaje just like wiped the floor with them. And then just that really subtle, like when she flips that shield into her hand and then Io comes out and is just like, leave it. And she kind of gives him a look before she drops it down. Yeah. It is just... I, and it's not emasculating because she's a woman. I'm not saying no. that. That could have been anybody. The Dora Milaje are just that good. Like, you just yes. see this emasculation of John Walker moment. Uh, and I did realize when they pulled that close-up on him, and it's a smart move, like, he's not, he's, he's, he's not clean-shaven. Yeah. Like, you know, never Steve, Steve yeah. Rogers, I think he was at the beginning. I think like in the very first scene when he came out right. as Captain Good America, America, like in Good Morning Good America, Morning America sure. it was like, yeah. I'm your new fresh faced Captain America. But as we've progressed, you point. just get this close up shot. And when he says that line that John mentioned, when he's like, they weren't even super soldiers, mm-hmm. he's just, he's not shaven. He's just got this wild look in his eye. And you're like, oh, this, this is, this is going down. This yeah. is bad news. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Bad news bears. Bad news bears, man. Yeah. Bad news bears. <laughs> Great point you bring up, Mikey, for sure. Uh, Shannon, what stood out for you, brothers? You're watching this scene and what uh, Bowen and Kalinowski have just said. Well, I do think Zemo definitely is is starting to respect Sam more and more. And uh, Zemo is okay with superpowered people when they are helping him accomplish his goals. Because really? that's what he did. That's what he did in Civil War. I mean, right. he was able to use Bucky. I mean, he was able to use the Avengers to take each other apart. And I think, honestly, when it comes down, if he's able to, you know, destroy all these vials the next thing he's going to do is probably take out Bucky because Bucky is still a superpowered person on the table. Um, the scene with the Walker coming in, ju- I mean, just so, so much fun. And right. the moment that he sets the shield down, like I'm going to fight, like you want to talk about escalation, like really, yeah. like we're, we're, we're doing this right now. We're going to measure our dicks now. Okay, cool. You know, <laughs> and Sam, th- like, okay. Uh, this is probably my favorite Dormelage action scene that we've gotten because, mm. you know, you saw it a little bit in Infinity War. You saw it a little bit in Endgame. The, the, the big Dormelage action that we got in Black Panther was them going up against Killmonger. And it was, right. you know, the, you know, seven or eight against one. This, and it's, a, again, a superpower guy, watching three of them just kind of toss these guys around. And they brought, you know, the, the guys, Walker brought this on himself, which is, yes. I think, also why Sam and Bucky aren't rushing in to save him. Like, yeah. Sam definitely sees sees the, the urgency. You're like, should we do something? It's like, no, no, no. No, they, step, they stepped up. Let them get knocked mm-hmm. down for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, just just so much fun. And when the one Dormelage kicks that shield up, like like Steve and Winter Soldier and Io saying leave it because that vibranium that's from Wakanda yeah. 
Yes. And it, it's sort of a leave it. We're not dealing with that right now. We're mm-hmm. going to deal with that later. Here's here's yeah. the here's the pressing goal is to go and get this guy who assassinated our king or murdered our king six years ago, seven years ago. Right. That's a great point. You bring up the Wakanda thing. Of course, once again, America and its resource. How did they get this vibranium from Wakanda? How did they go and get this stuff, right? There's just that subtle thing playing underneath all of this. And of course, as I said, Walker just violating just America in essence, a civil of America, almost condescending to Africa, an African woman. There's just symbolism there that you can catch. And it's not, it's not overt. It's just sitting right there. And it leads to what it leads to in the end. And yeah, I agree with you, Mikey. He's unshaven. He's there on the ground. This is a man beaten. Uh, and you know we and we're about to find out in the scene how much the next scene how much this really has affected him and how much he's out of his depth and the desperation that is growing within him. And by the way, we should take a moment. Wyatt Russell is doing incredible work as John Walker. This is a thankless role. This is not an easy role to play, and he is delivering great work as he's playing this guy who is kind of a dick and an asshole and whatever you want to say. But also, as we're about to see, pretty conflicted about where he belongs. Yeah. And there's reasons for that as well. Uh, let's see. It, it's, okay, so let's move on to that. Walker and Battlestar, as I said, are having this conversation out of uniform. Look like they're just at a depot or coffee shop, just having a conversation, standing up there. And then somebody comes up and Walker signs an autograph. And they both joke about it. You know, oh, you're just jealous because you didn't get one. I said, well, I've got a little Battlestar I can put on it. It's so funny. <laughs> um but then Walker is clearly debating the idea of having taken that serum. He doesn't tell Lamar that he has the serum. He just talks about it. And Lamar, without missing a beat, contrary to Sam, Lamar says, oh, hell yeah, I would take that uh, serum in a heartbeat because I think Lamar knows that he's a good person and it would just make him better at what he does. And, and he even says that to uh, Wyatt, sorry, to uh, Walker when Walker is kind of conflicted about it. He says, well, look, doesn't the serum kind of make you more of just who you are already, Steve Rogers, Carly Morgenthau, two opposite sides of the spectrum in their point of view. Uh, but then Walker mentions uh, the idea of Afghanistan and says, you know, like we, you know, they because he says, well, would I be okay? And he says, well, no, you've got three stars. Go, oh, yeah, great, three medals. But I know what really happened in Afghanistan. I know the terrible things that we did to get out of that situation. So clearly he's conflicted by it. It's so funny because he was talking about other people that can't be helped to have PTSD. In essence, he has that as well. He just maybe hasn't recognized it about his experiences. And he says that being Captain America is something that finally feels right, that he can actually do good being Captain America versus what he felt being a soldier. And Battlestar kind of ends, or Lamar ends this scene by saying, you know, just think about how many lives we would have saved that day if we had that serum, which in essence is a tacit, um confirmation that he should take that serum without Lamar knowing that he's giving that to Walker. Uh, uh, Shannon, what did you think of this scene, brother? Well, I definitely loved when he's asking Lamar, like, would you take the serum? And Lamar's just like, hell yeah, I would do it. But you don't need to. You're right. great. Like, right. he's building You're his fine. buddy up. Yeah, like, yeah. they just got their asses handed to them. And it was more of a loss for Walker because Walker is the guy with the shield. Walker is, you know, he is Captain America and he just got, he, he he is dealing with a string of losses right now. And Battlestar, Lamar is just trying to, he's just trying to build his buddy up. He he knows what his buddy can be, but he, he he's not going to get there by himself. Yeah. Uh, and then hearing about what actually happened 
or, or, or the, the idea that something happened in Afghanistan yeah. and uh, Walker saying that, you know, he wanted to do something good. And that was that being Captain America was his opportunity. It made me think about episode one with the whole making amends thing. That's that even Walker knows, like, I've made some mistakes in my past and I, I want to rectify those. And yeah. when they talk about that, the serum would have saved lives again, he he thinks he's doing the right thing. Yep. Yeah, good point. Kalinowski, what'd you think here, brother? Well, it's interesting because I'm sitting there taking some notes on this because, you know, as people, we like to think of ourselves as a certain way. You know, we like to think we would do the right thing in the right situation. But this was a scene where John Walker, I think, in his heart knows if he takes this, it's not going to turn out well for him. Oh, yeah. I think he you wants think he to be that? good yeah. because they say, like, look what it did to this person. Look what it did to this person. I think yeah. John... You know, and, and it made a point that he signs an autograph. And as you see, he's genuine with the person. Yeah, yeah. He's not fake. And we all have seen it in Comic-Con. Actors or famous people, and they sign autographs. They're like, oh, look at him. Just he's signing it for the dollar sign that, you know, right. or, oh, that guy really is enjoying talking to people. He seemed like he enjoyed that. Like, yeah. he, he was genuine with them. Um, but I think in his heart, he knows he's not good enough. I think he knows yeah. it'll turn it. It's not going to turn out good for him. But. He's in this position now. He's put there. He can't say, I don't want to be Captain America anymore. I don't want the shield. I'm not right. He's also a guy, and he's not going to do that. So I think he knows. I think he knows he's not going to – it's not going to turn out well for him, but he this this ship has sailed for him, and he needs to – he needs it. He needs to go. So it was, it was a fascinating yeah. small scene, but I loved it. There's a desperation here, right, Vogel? Like he's been, yeah. as you said, emasculated, and this is the only option in his mind other than quitting being Captain America – he feels like maybe in his mind he's in a corner and he's desperate to kind of be on equal par with these people. And he wants to have a discussion with his friend about taking this thing. And we see it, right? What did you think yeah. about this scene? I, I thought the same thing Kalinowski did is that you see mm. this guy struggling with the fact that deep down he doesn't know that he's worthy of mm. taking the super soldier serum. And he's really trying to decide. Uh, and look, I think this is this is what I'm enjoying about the show is that uh, I can hate Walker in one scene and think he's a douche nozzle because he is. And right. in the next scene, I can really like my heart goes out like I empathize with him to a degree like just this idea that he as a soldier who's super decorated, who's been held up as this like perfect ideal of what a soldier is. He knows that what he's really done isn't necessarily that and just yeah. really, really wanted to do something right. You know, I mean, like this idea that he so desperately wants to be the hero uh is is sad like it's yeah. it's tragic especially when we you know see what's about to happen like it yeah. is really really just tragic uh and it's just a good reminder that you know we again we and it happens every day on social media uh but you know that we love to paint people as a complete villain a complete hero you're all good you're all bad you're you're we're done with you we put you up on a pedestal and this show, whether it be through Carly or Zemo or even Bucky, uh, you know, with everybody uh, and, and with John Walker, it's like he he's kind of a horrible guy, but we also can empathize with him. And I thought that's what was really lovely about the scene. I also love just the callback to like the whole Erskine uh, speech from yeah. Captain America, just this whole yeah. idea that the super soldier serum just makes you more of whatever's there. So like as, yeah. as Stanley Tucci says in that first Captain America movie, like, you know, a good guy becomes better and a bully becomes worse. Uh, and that is clearly what we see happen here. It's yeah. cool to note that, I, I mean, he's in this for the long haul. Like, and, you know, they've taken in 
cherry pick from the comics, but Walker eventually does become, you know, a better yeah. man. And, a, and, a, and a, he's always in the, he's always kind of in, he's never Captain America per se level, but he, as US agent, goes on to a, a good career. Like, yeah. so I'm hoping they're building to this. I don't know what they're going to do with it, but he, because he's so good in the role, oh, yeah. and you want that co- conflict in a human. And it, it, it's, he's such a, you know, he said, like, I love the character of Walker. And I, I think, yeah. like, as an actor, to play a role like that, he that's a wonderful role to play. Uh, especially you make it. Yo, I'm sorry, sorry Mike, No, 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 no. Go ahead, Mike. Sorry. No, I just think it's fascinating, too, because Chris Evans is so beloved. So mm-hmm. he, he's playing the challenge. And he said in interviews, he's like, I love this. I can't be I can't be Chris Evans. He was so perfect. But it it's a challenge as an actor to, to be able to, to play what I'm playing against. And it's like yeah. this smorgasbord of, of material he's been given. And he's do, just been phenomenal with it. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, look, if they could take Jamie Lannister pushing a kid out of a window, paralyzing him, <laughs> and turn him into a good guy eventually, they can do that with John Walker. And I, I agree with you, Mike. I think they are going to go that route, initially evil, but then eventually will understand his role in all of this and his own struggles. And I think this scene is why I think they're going to. I don't yeah. think you have this scene if you want him just to be this arrogant, brash, aggressive kick first, ask questions later kind of guy. There's more to this guy. There's more he's working through. And as some of you who are watching who may be former military people who served or, or veterans uh, or maybe struggling with your own PTSD, and some of you have occasionally reached out to me here on the Outlaw Nation, like this is a very real conversation that some people feel that they never leave the battlefield after they've experienced war. They never mentally or emotionally leave that battlefield. And you see this here in this scene, which is why I think it is poignant as well, how much he's trying to atone for what he saw and experienced and did in Afghanistan and how little those medals actually matter. Uh, and I think that's important to remember as well. Uh, all right, go, uh, go to our last, it's in essence, our last scene here. Carly calls Sarah. Carly reveals that uh, that he's uh, she's deciding whether Sam is a good person or not. This is really surprising conversation. Carly and Sarah on the phone, uh, and Carly says to Sarah, "You know, you, you know, he, he your 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 brother's working for this Captain America." And she said, "We didn't choose that guy." Mm. Uh, and she's like, "Well, you know, uh, my." And Sarah pulls back, pushes back, and goes, "My world doesn't matter to America, so why should I care about its mascot?" Ooh, that is just. As devastating of a line as the Dora Milaje line, and just as powerful in a different way here. Uh, and Carly wants to send the coordinates to Sarah. Sarah's going to tell Sam about this. Sarah calls Sam, tells him they want to meet up here. Sam and Bucky are walking together when they get the call. She says, come along, but Bucky says he's coming. They show up uh, at this uh, uh, agreed meeting place. Uh, Sam's in full Falcon gear with Bucky. Uh, Carly, sa- and, and she- he comes in, he's like, verbal like hey man you'll be threatening my family don't mess with a man's family uh and carl's like i was never gonna hurt her which i don't believe her at all and she says she doesn't want to kill sam but denigrates him by calling him a tool of a regime she is looking to destroy so many people want to denigrate sam remove his agency talk down to him it is so incredible how uh, Anthony Mackie is playing this character. When people come at him, he isn't reacting. He isn't coming back to them. He's calmly overriding what they're saying with just his behavior. It's incredible confidence he's, he's giving to Sam Wilson. Uh, uh, what regime? But I have to ask yourself, what regime is she trying to overthrow? I ask you three as we go through this when you talk about it. America, superheroes, or the Avengers? This is interesting. And then she denigrates him further, saying, I don't want to kill you because if I kill you, it will be meaningless. That's, oh my God. Anyway, Sharon is watching the, uh, and, and tracks Walker, reveals to Sam that Walker is then there, and then they fight their way out of there. Walker bursts in, 
with Battlestar. Battlestar goes in first ahead of Walker. Walker follows a bit later, sees the gun on the ground, kind of sense that Battlestar has been taken, but you can tell that he has taken the serum and he is like understanding the effect it's having on his body. Uh, he find, they, we find that they have disabled Battlestar. Sam crashes through, sees firsthand that Walker has taken the serum when he launches a dude and bends the pipe as well. Uh, he says that they've taken Lamar. We see that Lamar gets himself out of the situation by cutting his handcuffs. Bucky kicks one of the Flag Smashers' ass and says, just stay there. Sam and Walker run into room, fight two Flag Smashers. Lamar cuts himself free, as I said. Bucky shows up, disables another Flag Smasher. Walker is grabbed from behind by one of the Flag Smashers. I think it's Nico, just as Carly pulls out a knife and is going to kill Walker. Exactly what she said she wanted to do, kill Captain America. And Lamar jumps in and stops her, tackles her. She punches him off of her into a stone pillar and kills Battlestar, kills Lamar. Walker is devastated, rapist, chases down the guy, Nico, uh, and then does it, pulls his best Christian Bale. Where is she? And then uses the shield to <laughs> debilitate him and then to kill him uh, in front of onlookers who are shooting video, taking pictures. Sam and, uh, Sam and Bucky run in and see this happening as well. Walker seems to have no remorse, even lingers over the body as Sam and Bucky look on. Walker looks up, notices everyone is watching him, and they do a great shot from below. He even adds a little like, yeah, what body wiggle, and the episode is over. Mikey, what in the fuck did we just watch? <laughs> a lot of things. Uh yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, I thought the Carly. So to your point and to your question about what regime do they want to take down, I do yep. think this is like a little bit of a. We're it's still very muddy what the flag smashers actually want. Like the Good fact day. that they are the fact that they are helping the people who are displaced. Great, awesome. Steal supplies from the GRC, give it to the people that need it. But this bigger idea that we're going to take down regimes, yeah. uh, like like they're. What, what is it they want? I understand the bigger idea that we want to go back to the way things were before the blip, but like there's not really a plan. Yeah. And in typical like sort of movie structure 101, by the time we're moving into the third act, we the villain says, the villain monologues and says, yeah. here is how I am going to accomplish my said goals. And it's still kind of muddy, which kind of leaves us with a... This whole, if I killed you, it would be meaningless. I want to uh, join me or let me go do my thing. I've got to take down regimes. And you're like, what It really is the plan? Or is the yeah. point that you don't really know what your plan is, which is also valid. But I think this is about the time that we should probably lay that out. I also thought there was a little bit of a muddiness in the blocking here. Because I think even mm. to your point, I think it's not quite right. What actually I think happens is uh, the power broker, a.k.a. Sharon Carter, uh, mm -hmm. sends them a message and says, hey, they found Walker or Walker's found them. Yeah. And Walker and Hoskins are somewhere else, wherever the fl other flag smashers are. And yes. then Carly, Sam, and Bucky all take off and go to that place. Yeah. But it was all a little bit muddy uh, in there. However, all that being said, once they get there, Great fucking action sequence. Uh, super Soldier versus Super Soldier. It was just the right amount of kind of like a little bit of Marvel fun, like Bucky kind of telling that one guy, he's like, hey, stay there. Uh, you know, just some great little moments before we got to this super, super intense fight. Uh, it was telegraphed. You knew where it was going. You knew what was going to happen. Uh, and you know what the result is going to be. As soon as Hoskins goes down, uh, we already know that Walker was a man on the edge and now he's a man on the edge with super soldier serum so knew that that was going to set him off but 
was not expecting them to go as far as they went uh, with a visual that like was worthy of any comic book splash page. Yeah. Uh, just that shot of Walker with the shield, with blood on it, with everybody videotaping that. Um, yeah, like I, it's really interesting to have him go that level of crazy that publicly with two episodes left to go. Uh, you know, it's really interesting because don't really know where Zemo's going to go from here. Uh, don't really know what the power broker is doing once she gets done doing whatever she was just doing in this past scene or whoever the power broker is. Don't really know where Sam and Bucky go from here. And I don't know where John Walker goes to recover from this. So what's happening in these next two episodes is kind of a giant question mark. Uh, like, like as far as a cliffhanger to leave us on going into this next to these last two, like kind of fascinating to see what's going to go down. Yeah, Shannon. I mean, Walker has it. He knows it's the wrong thing to do and then makes the decision to do it. So a lot here, Carly threatening Sam's family in essence, Sam wanting to stop all this from happening, but then Walker pushing forward and making it all happen. A Lamar sacrifice for Walker. What did you take away from this scene? The whole thing, just a terrific, just a terrific uh, series of sequences. Mm. Um, the fact that Carly says, I'm t- tells Sarah, like I'm trying to figure out whether I should kill your brother. Yeah. <laughs> and then says, Tell him to meet me here. He and I are going to have this conversation there, or I'm going to come and have a conversation with you and your kids. Like, holy crap. You want to talk about crossing, oh yeah, (laughs) crossing repeatedly, crossing lines. Habitual Um, line stepper. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The great thing, like, especially as uh, uh, with uh, Sam, Bucky, and uh, Carly, as that action sequence starts after she's basically said, like, I wanted you to work with me. Sam, this is only, I think this is only their second time kind of facing the Flag Smashers since episode two. Right. And to see Sam is a trained soldier. Like he has learned, okay, I have to keep my distance from you. Like he's able to use his wings. He's able to use his jetpack to kind of stay away from her. Um, Once they get to where Walker and Hoskins are, all of that action was just a blast. I mean, I, you know, I talked about this on our Mandalorian reviews, but the the way the Mandalorians are able to use their jetpacks, not just as a means of transport, but also as an offensive weapon. When that flag smasher is behind Sam and he just lights the pack and that fire, that heat is what pushes him back. All of this was just so, so just Marvel, just so much fun to watch. Beautiful shot of Sam breaking through that glass. Like it's a full on like 89 Batman shot breaking through that glass ceiling and the seamlessness that Sam is able to use those wings is just so much fun to watch. Once uh, Carly punched Lamar and he hit that pillar, that was that moment of like, oh, so this is when this is when Walker loses his shit. Um, And and I'll be curious to hear your guys' reactions um, to to the decision to to kill Hoskins, um, but as Walker has you know yeah. kill you know kills this flag smasher kills Nico, um, and you know some people were saying online like he he decapitated him. I'm like I don't know if this is a chess thing, like sort of a mirror to Civil War how Steve was able to crush the arc reactor in Tony's chest, or if this like did he decapitate him? Did he crush oh. his head? I mean, there's blood on that shield, and that's something that I don't think we've seen before. And I'm wondering going forward. Is this uh, the, either the GRC or the government stepping in and taking the shield from Walker and giving it to Sam? 
Oh, maybe. Yeah, Mike, what did you think? Okay, I'll ask you what you think as you were watching uh, everything that happened. Well, I think for, for one, maybe I might be in the minority in the sense that I think Carly was never going to kill Sam's family. Okay. It's a means to an end. She would have never done that. I don't think she views them as, as, as combatants. You know, she's okay. only really gone off of combatants and, and people that are active, you know. So I thought that was just like a means to an end. Um, the fighting was great, like, like everything you guys mentioned. I think what I love about it, too, is the Falcon is an airborne character. And they find ways to make him useful indoors, like inside. That, that's fantastic to me. You always, it's kind of like the Aquaman scenario. Like, out of the ocean, what's he going to do? And it's up to the writer and the, and, the, and the artist to create great scenes. And these writers create, and the stunt team, creates these fantastic abilities with his, his wings indoors, where he's basically, yeah. the flight is taken out of him. Uh, but they still find a way. And, and to Mike's point, and Mike, refresh my memory. You said that with Walker, was, he, like went crazy at that point, like, I don't know I, if I see him going crazy. Like I think. I, let me let me let me rephrase. I don't mean crazy. Said, but yeah, I don't. Well, and I, I probably did say that. I I don't mean going crazy like he's now uh, an insane villain person. But I'm right. like, he was already feeling like he needed to prove himself. He was right. already feeling like he had lost control of the situation, and he just lost his best friend, sure. who was the one person that could keep him. Kind of, let's keep your Heather. cool. So, yeah. like you, like it's not surprising that no. he reacts the way that he no. does. And what I think it's fascinating, like he's never. It's not a moment of like, oh my god, what did I do? And you know, say what you will to the people that either watch this or watch this show or whatnot. That's the George Floyd moment right there, on camera, neck, mm -hmm. uh, knee on neck, for the world. And what's fascinating is you see is what how is the show's going to deal with this? Mm -hmm. Because it is current. It is. Everyone's got a camera. We see it all the time. Yeah. And what's going to happen next episode? Because no, no matter, as much as the government loves him and wants a new Captain America, that's out there now. And yeah. that's but fascinating also, to me. That's fascinating. It, it is. And it, it, we'll see where they go with it. Because look, we all, all caps watch matter, this. They would say all caps matter. Though, well, you know, we, well, I was going to say, like, look, we all watch this and we kind of realized that maybe he didn't have to decapitate the guy and whatever but to a lot of the world this he this guy was a flag smasher he right was a terrorist exactly i they've been, they've it's, been doing the the, it's the people yeah. say with you know well don't do anything wrong if you don't want the cops doing what they do then don't it's a world issue and and i think that's what's i i applaud marvel and disney for doing this and 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 going down a path that they didn't necessarily need to but i think it's great I, I do worry a little bit about it. Sorry, John. Okay. I just wanted to say, I, I do worry a little bit about it. It's kind of the same thing that I was saying about the blip. It's like, I I think it's like noble and awesome to want to try and grapple with these ideas. I, I think it's great. I think this I think this is what fantasy, superhero, sci-fi stories do really well. It's just, can you really, you're grappling with a lot right yeah, now. Yeah. Like it's, you're, you're, you're taking on a lot and can you really do all these ideas the justice that they deserve given the way that people are very raw about the way they feel about these things right now. It'll be really interesting to see. That's okay. that's something I said yeah. since episode one of our review. I'm great with you yanking up the high wire higher and higher, uh, but you better be able to cross that wire if you're going to yank it up because our expectations yeah. grow as you bring up these subjects and bring up these issues right. and deal with them. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think John. I think I will. I think myself and a lot of people will be disappointed if, if in the next two episodes, this is not dealt with in a. You oh, this know, is brushed under the table. Brushed under the table. Just it, move, yeah. yeah, it's they did yeah. it. They they made the bed. Now let's see if they lie in it. Well, and this is the moment that I wanted to bring up, and my and uh, Mike and Shannon know this already. Kalinowski, I don't know if you sense this, but like for me, 
this is the creative decision that I that infuriated the living shit out of me. And I'll be absolutely honest with you. For decades, we have seen African-American characters be in service of white character storylines. Seeing Lamar, who has had no background other than he's friends with this guy, no, no, no real explanation of uh, the connection, no real explanation of his life, his story, whatever. He's essentially been there to keep the, the white dude from keep him stable. Don't let him move out. You know, give him legitimacy to take the serum without knowing you're doing that. And then in the moment, he's the one that stops Carly from killing him. And he dies in the process to help the white lead on his journey or one of the white leads on his journey. And this just infuriated the shit out of me. We have seen this for decades. Horror even has a trope where it's always the black person that gets killed in a lot of these horror films. And seeing this kind of shit just pissed me off. It's the one misstep that I think they've made that they've made creatively that's very overt that pissed me off. Last week, I've I've seen online a number of female critics felt that they fridged Sharon Carter. And there is some legitimacy to that. So have they fridged Lamar? And I have to say, in my, in my opinion, they did. They gave Lamar almost no background. Where's his Latino wife? Where's she fucking been? Because I saw her for 30 seconds in a series four episodes ago. So these are the things that I think they're making missteps about while they also are, are addressing these racial things. They're also not, let me finish my point. They're, no, also, no, yes, not, they're also not like, uh, you know, doing better work in addressing this situation. Having him die so it motivates the white guy. We've, I've, how many f- films or TV shows we've seen where the black guy dies, which motivates the white person to go and do the things they're doing? It's just so frustrating. And I was mad to see Lamar being used this way because Battlestar doesn't die in the comics, ladies and gentlemen. Battlestar goes on and goes forward. And having it go this route, I think, is a phenomenal fucking mistake, in my opinion. But this was a great episode up until that moment. So I don't what do you guys if you guys want to say anything, please. I'm sorry. I just want to get my point out of this. I I don't know if I can say anything. You know what I'm saying? Like let me okay, so I the the again I can't speak because I'm not a woman about the Sharon Carter, but I'm kind of on the other side where they've taken a character that they kind of just tossed off to the side and making an integral part of a show. I I think you know and we don't know where she's going. I'm of the mind I hope to God she's not the power broker. I hope to God that she's not. I, I agree. Think, I hope yeah. they don't. <laughs> I think knowing Feige and what he's done for 14 years, I kind of trust he, that's not where they're going with her. And they're going right. to bring her back into Steve's world eventually or into the world of, of being one of the good guys. But I digress on that point yeah. with with Lamar Hoskins. It's fascinating because they knew they're going to kill him off from the beginning when right. they're writing this. You knew he was going to die. So do you cast John Walker and give him a Bucky? Instead of going Battlestar and doing, because Cap always had a Bucky in the comics, they say so. Right. Okay. Do you cast a white guy? No, no, no. And then, I'm and cool. Then, no, no, no. Cast, I'm cool, Lamar. Just give me more. And this is where the ten episodes. So you wanted six episode exactly the ten episode, the six episode thing. This is where it shows because so, if we had had more moments, more time okay. to connect with their relationship, more time with them, more solo scenes like we saw at that coffee okay. shop, I think that would have gone a long way. It still was a powerful. But listen. I didn't want to see them die. I was falling in love with that guy as an actor and in this character. So right. I felt the rage that Walker felt that he died. But then I also felt the rage that they basically only made this, created this character to be a sounding board for Walker the whole fucking time. And then they killed him off. And it's just like, mm. so, I'm not the writer of the guys in this group, but yeah. I do see your point. And I kind of would, would have liked more scenes of them and maybe in that first episode and less of, uh, the stuff that we had gotten. Um, 
Because you're having the black the, the guy. Fridging, the fridging stop. comment from the comics is such a, it's such a, you know, with Kyle Rayner and his girlfriend and where it came from. Uh, and again, I'm a white guy. So my perspective is not well, valid on it in the sense that it, the every, every superhero is a white guy. So right, I, right. I get it. I, well, can I ask? I, friends. I'm not the guy I, to speak on yeah. it really. Like, I, yeah. I'm just, I'm just curious because I'm not quite clear. Uh, like what? Because I, because fridging is character gets brutally killed so that the to white male the can, can advance line. the plot. What was the complaint about Sharon Carter yeah, and how are they comparing long. that to it being fridged? That, is that they were saying she couldn't handle being out of, so she turned herself into a criminal. That she couldn't just keep being a good person. That she turned herself. Into I a think they're just also, not that she shows up the story enough. Yeah, I, well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna comment on it. Yeah, I'm not gonna yes. dismiss. I'm not gonna dismiss anyone's opinion, and everyone is, is valid. And everyone, yeah, yeah everyone's, everyone's opinion, opinion is valid in that. But, uh, but I do think that you know, I, I think that that compare calling that free, that is a valid complaint. Uh, I don't necessarily like the way that Sharon Carter went in the last episode either. I do think, and I am happy to be corrected on this. I think jumping to saying that's the equivalent of fridging is maybe. Uh, doing a little bit of a disservice to characters that actually do get fridged because she still yeah. has a vibrant life and has made decisions. So I, I don't. I, it's a little bit of an interesting way She's, to express that that frustration. Yeah. On the Hoskins front, couple things. I, I don't want to. Not like I'm trying to hold out hope on this, but mm. he may not be dead. Just so we're clear, like oh. Bucky fell out of a train. And came back several years later yes, as a trained assassin. So a in the world, in the world of I, comic books, yeah, yeah. there but is the potential dealing, that. Yeah. Yes. So so just saying in the bigger picture of things, we don't know that this is the end of Lamar Hoskins' story, even right. if he's Very dead true. for the next two episodes, because this is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. All that being said, to your specific thing, I think that using the horror movie trope as an example. The reason that it was a problem that it was always the black guy that died in a horror movie is because there was only ever one black guy in the horror movie. And so when your representation is so small that you only have... Not wait, well, and well, and dying first, but and dying first, but yes, but it's like it's the the whole trope is when you have one person of color, one gay person, one female, one whatever, and you get rid of that character and keep all the white guys around, that's where it became a huge problem. I'm not saying that Hoskins being used to further John Walker's story isn't problematic but i think it makes it less problematic in a show where you have sam and sarah and carly and like that that, that once i'm not saying i'm not i'm not this i'm not saying you're wrong i'm not arguing the point right. i'm just saying that uh when you get into those tropes of a person of color or it's the similar thing that like every time you have a gay or lesbian couple in a movie like in a show like walking dead it's a guarantee that they're going to lose their relationship because the gay people always lose it first i think that the more representation you have throughout your entire cast the less this becomes as a, as big of an issue as it's been in the past is the is all i'll say on it well and that's fair but then by the same token that is almost tantamount to saying hey uh walter hamada can't be racist he's asian like it's just like just because you've got black characters or women in your show doesn't mean you can't default and make a critic decision that has that is insensitive well, or unearned no. or a mistake it doesn't but, but it, it doesn't cover you making a mistake just because you've got characters but again to, but again to kalinowski's point like it is there will always be characters in stories who die and drive other characters to do things i mean yes. that's the that's the story of sam and bucky like but bucky we, we, died we've seen, we've seen decades of yes. black characters having that so let's stop but, doing that 
But, That's but, my point. But, but what I'm saying is the reason that it's a problem is because of lack of representation. I don't think that you or anyone is saying we should no longer have a black character die in a superhero story. I am saying like that. we. So you're I saying that just if that. you're saying yeah, that if John, a black yeah. character you're wait yep. so you're just saying I just want to be clear so you're saying that if a black character is in a show or a story they mm-hmm. should not be killed for any reasons not be I didn't say for any reasons you're changing my words I'm saying they don't, should not be killed to further the white lead storyline if they haven't even remotely bothered to flesh out that character more okay. to give them love to give them some so, to some real background some actual character look. That actor has done a fantastic job with Lamar. Absolutely. Absolutely. With this limited screen time he's had. But from the beginning, he has been billed at, from his first scene in that locker room, it is about, let me talk to the white guy. Let me help the white guy out. Let me get in, into his head and make sure he's okay. And every time, hey, mate, John, why don't you pull back? Can't punch your way out of this one. Oh, you can totally take the serum. Oh, shit. I don't want the crazy white guy or the unstable white guy to die. I'm going to throw myself at this super soldier to stop her and that ends up costing my life these are the decisions that i think are mistakes by the creators that they could have fleshed out sam is your star of course you're going to flesh out that story but these are the characters if you're going to have people of color in them i'm asking you to be a bit more fucking sensitive about how you use these characters in these shows you know that's that's my point overall I, I totally see i totally get that and i'm just thinking could we go back to the point of the creative in the room when they're creating this and and yeah. Marvel, or I'd say over the past four or five years has really been a great diversity push and, and really inclusion in all their films. Right. When and, it didn't have it for the first when it didn't one. Have it before when you got five white leads. Films? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. And, and I think some of the writing was like, okay, let's see, we got Captain America. We need a sidekick or partners are calling it. Well, Battlestar is usually with this. Do we do a Bucky? Okay. Do we hire a white actor? Then it's two white guys. No, let's go. Right. Well, and I see that. And then to your point, you're okay with that, but it's more like let's flesh these characters out so they're not just, hey, let me come in and stop my white guy friend from doing this. Let's make them – I see what you're saying, John, and I do also, get also, it. I think, also, Kalinowski, yeah. the optics of having the mixed-race person kill the black person, that's also another part of this that I think is a bit uncomfortable as Who, well. In, in my know, opinion, in, in Carly. Yeah, in Carly. She's of mixed heritage. She's a, yes. an actress herself. So to me, I'm like, these are the things that kind of trouble me a little bit as we're I, moving forward as creatives in 2021. Like, I just think this stuff needs to stop. Flesh it out, then you earn it. I, I mean, I think I think there's there's two different things we're talking about here. And I think that one, like, I, I think the one issue is that you feel that John Hoskins was underwritten. Lamar, and I think Lamar that, that, I'm sorry. Who's John? I'm thinking Bob Hoskins. I think yeah, John yeah, Hopkins, the hospital. Uh, there you go. I, yeah, John Hopkins. I, yeah, I think Lamar Hoskins was uh, like you're, you're, the issue that Lamar Hoskins was kind of underwritten and every yeah. scene was just sort of in service to John Walker. And I think that's valid. I think that yeah. as we've talked about, you know, uh, as Shannon has said on some of these moments in Falcon and Winter Soldier, I think that there are a lot of moments that are maybe a little underwritten. And I think Lamar Hoskins in general was underwritten. So I think yeah. that makes his sudden death feel a little bit more problematic i do think though as we get into the bigger like i said i think the issue with the trope of a person of color or a per a a, a person who is other dying in service of a white male lead uh to drive their story forward white lead could be white female lead too we saw that in the help but anyway go ahead uh i i think that again i think that as shows, movies, stories do become more diverse and you have representation throughout 
I do think that becomes less of an issue. And so I think sure. even in this show, that's where it's like, if, if, if Lamar Hoskins was the only black guy in this entire show and this happened, right. it would be a oh. much bigger spotlight oh, yes. than it is now. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And a hundred years from now, when we balance the scales, then yes, Mike, I'll be okay with it. But until then, we've still got work to do. That's my only point. Shan, you haven't chimed in on this. Any thoughts on it? Well, the big thing was, is structurally that character's death makes sense. Like, but that being said, um, I'm going to take a cue from Sam Wilson here and listen, like, I'm, I'm very curious to, to hear our, uh, our comments or to read our comments from our audience to see what yep. they thought about Lamar Hopkins death. I mean, because I, I do agree with you that the, you would like more from all of these characters. I do think, like, I, like I, I've not read where Malcolm Spellman did say that he wrote kind of this with the 10, 10 episodes in mind mm -hmm. and he got six. I've not read that. I've heard people say that. Mm -hmm. um, but but we would love more uh, of everything. And, and I think the relationship between Walker and Hoskins definitely could have used some more exploration. Um, that being said, uh, sometimes you don't get that. And, uh, and to the show's detriment, in my opinion. Um, and, and I think we covered that last episode. So I'll be curious to see it because I actually did look it up on uh, on Twitter today. I was kind of like, is anyone talking about this? Because as soon as he died, I'm like, OK, this is this is where this is where Walker takes that next step. Um, but I, I again, the, the trope, the trope of, mm -hmm. of the black guy dying first. I'm like, that that is very much a thing. Could you have gotten Walker to that point without that? Yes. But then it sort of changes that character's journey, and maybe that's not where they needed to take him. Um, but I'll be curious to read our comments tomorrow to see yeah. what people thought about this. Yeah, I'm sure I'll be pilloried, but I don't care. I mean, sometimes I, you have to say certain things and point them out and see yeah, and bring of them course. up. Of course. No, I think it's good that you brought it up. It's good to bring it up. Like a panel, that's is kind of you know yep. what we've got right here. It's many different I, points of view, and I, but you guys, Mike and, and Shannon, being uh, you know episodic writers you know, you've only got so much real estate yep. and, and they are secondary characters to the two leads of the show. And I think in it, this, a testament to his, to the acting of the two of them, you, from the minute I met them, I, be, I believe their chemistry. I didn't oh, need more scenes. Of, I don't buy these guys as best friends. Like I love their chemistry. So yeah. I think maybe as they were writing and I don't know if they had, what do you guys think? They had it all written out at once. And they were able I, to go. I think they knew uh, what they were going to do. Yeah, okay. they wouldn't have the scripts all written, but they okay. Because you they see, where like the, the writing of these two actors together and the chemistry, you're like, okay, we can get away with less is more by giving a like this scene that that, that the scene with the table so uh, in there because we knew he was dying next. Like we right, got right. more to history. So I. I, I think, think it's completely valid. Yeah. I agree with Roca a hundred percent that I think he was a little bit underwritten. Like we, it, it, and it, a little could go a long way. Like if we just knew one or two facts about him that were separate from I am John Walker's best friend who supports him, uh, it would have probably gone a long way towards fleshing him out. Like you, there, there is limited space, and he is not the main character. He's not even the secondary character. He's you right. know he's a tertiary character given how many characters you have in here. I will say. I think that his death bothered me less than the way they sort of like dropped the ball on Monica Rambeau and WandaVision, which I, fall, I yes. feel to me, oh. to me is a bit, to me is a bit more egregious just because she was a, she's a primary character yeah. and her story kind of just like fell flat. And we talked about it for the same yeah. reasons. They had, they had, as much as they had a huge finale, it was limited space. They devoted it to Wanda and Vision. That's right. the names in the show. I get it. But the way that she fell she flat. 
Uh, yeah, the way that the way that her story kind of just like wrapped up to lead into Captain Marvel two uh, irked me more for some reason than oh, yeah. the, 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 like that. My reaction to that was sort of what your reaction is today to uh, the Lamar Hoskins of it all. I think even more so because I think this actor is fucking excellent who plays Lamar yeah. Hoskins, and I wanted more so, with him. And look, look what's happening to Sarah. Sarah, in essence, is just yeah. a person now that they're using to get to whatever I mean, why isn't sarah getting scenes with her kids well, why isn't sarah yeah. getting scenes well, on the dock with other people why the thing the, is this michael i get economy then don't introduce those fucking characters that's my point if you're but, going to create the characters you have a responsibility to these characters to flesh them out more that's my point i accept the that. one I way the, point, and, and this is separate this is separate from the in general, just from like a, the way a writer builds a story is, you build stories, you build characters in service to your main characters. Like you say, I have this story to tell and I need these other characters to exist to right. bring out this part of the main character. So the, you know, is, is, uh, is Amy Aquino underwritten? as the therapist is you know like it's it, like well, you can go through all these other characters who are just there to bring out something about bucky or uh sam and again i'm not disagreeing on this and i think to shannon's point like i'm like a white dude so i am more than happy to be schooled on the fact of this is why this really did bother me and it wasn't sensitive but i will say just as a writer in general there is also the fact that like the whole idea that a character, oh, this character was just on screen to do this for the main character, like that's what characters exist for uh, of, of any race and gender right. in, in but a I'm story. Asking, and, and I'm saying you have to take more responsibility here if you're going to create these characters in this series with what's happening now in our world. I think you have to take more responsibility. Yeah. I get it as writers that this is the I hear that. Also, got to take a moment to look at this. That's all. And you make a great point about Amy Aquino, but don't, there's not a real human connection. She's a therapist, right? She's, there to serve a purpose in certain ways whereas sarah's actually family to sam there's something more there and i think that it's, needs to be fleshed out you a know, little bit more too it's funny you say that because now thinking back and how far we are like that whole therapist thing could have gone away for me if we would have gotten more lamar hoskins and his family stuff like if we would have seen the scene at the beginning where, where he's in the locker room and then his family comes in with john walker's wife there in that one scene yeah. Remember they were talking like if they brought his family, maybe he's got a kid or something. So you saw kind of the they're both their careers are going up on this path. And, and also, and where's Walker's where's Walker's wife been? Mike, you make yeah. a great point. Like, yeah, I, I we would do less of less therapy thing and more of why that, bring her up? Why bring her in if you're not gonna? This is his wife. You think he's not gonna call his fucking <laughs> well, wife? You yeah, don't think he's gonna? That is, think he, I think that's the first thing to go is because when you're on and this don't chase, present her. You don't that, need her. I mean, you, that's that's a valid point. But at the same point. time, like when you're on this chase, I, I don't know how satisfying it is for the audience. Say, hey, let's check in with Walker's wife. Like, that's I don't, totally fine. That's well, McClung, I'm with you all the time. And I see your girlfriend calling you all the time to check in with you. So <laughs> that's oh, for the course. Yeah. Well, we also weren't chasing an international band of criminals. People <laughs> don't know that. We can be undercover, McClung, you and I. We're on a mission. <laughs> we, we were going to see Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah, we're on a mission. My only point at the end of the day is don't don't bring her in if you're not going to flesh it out. That's the whole thing. Don't bring in the Latino wife, Latina wife, who's only there for a moment or a few seconds if you're not going to flesh it out. That's a wife, son. That is a wife. There is more here, and they haven't touched on any of that. And don't tell me there couldn't be scenes with him and Warren Walker on the phone, her and Walker talking about stuff. There could have been more to flesh it out. And who knows? Maybe these next two episodes we'll get it. But I just feel like you bring up – when you bring characters of color into your – 
into your piece. I want writers and creators and executive producers, especially if they're white and this guy is white, to take a moment and actually like look at this stuff and flesh it out more. You know, we need to be more aware of it. That's all I'm highlighting here. Some of you are probably going to kill me in the chat, knock yourselves out. No, it's discussion, man. And it needs to be done. Bring it up for discussion. It's discussion. That's it's all, all yeah. like Michael said, no one's telling anyone's opinion is wrong and you right. shouldn't. Yeah. Right. yeah, I think I'm like, that's a one. Like, I, like, I, I, I love the, the was it uh, Keanu Reeves with the, you're going to tell me that one plus one equals five? Okay. <laughs> okay, sure. Okay. Well, and look, to wrap, to wrap it all up, I think Shannon makes the best point. Like, we've literally spent an entire uh, over two hours. You the white straight man just made the best point? Yep. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, okay, there it is. Yeah, there it is. That that's, that's it. But no, I do think, look, we spent over two hours talking about this episode, and a main mm -hmm. thing that we've talked about is the fact that Sam deserves to be Captain America because yes. he's yeah. listening to every opinion. And yeah. he might not agree with every aspect of it. As he says to Carly, I don't agree with the way you're fighting, but I agree with your fight. So... Even as we discuss all of these things, like it's not here to say, oh, well, you're you're wrong. How could you be such an asshole? Why do you have this opinion? Right. If we can't all have different opinions on a fucking Marvel show, we're not going to be able to tackle the bigger issues. So Shannon's right. Let's be like Sam. Yeah. <laughs> and let's remember that when you're leaving those comments in the chat, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Let's get on out of here. Nice. Thank you so much. We're over two hours as Michael states. So we should wrap this up. I appreciate you guys being willing to have this discussion at the end of the episode. Thank you very much. It's always fun to have discussions and hear from other people's points of views, um, for sure. And thank all of you for watching our review uh, very much. And we'll be back to review these over the next two weeks as well with our brother, Mike Kalinowski. Can't thank him again for coming yeah, aboard this train, brother. You've been the best. Thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, Shannon, what do we have to tell him? Yeah, you'd like to follow us on social media. On Twitter, it's at Geek underscore Buddies. On Instagram, at The underscore Geek underscore Buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK Toon. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at The Roca Says. Mikey? Uh, hey, if you enjoyed this conversation and you want us to have more, here are some ways that you can help us. First, you can send us Turkish Delight because we like it and it sounds delicious. I've never actually eaten it, but I would like to. Uh, and if you're not sending us Turkish Delight, uh, you can hit the like button below. You can subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Like we've all been saying, leave comments below. Uh, don't yell at each other. Let's actually have conversations because there's a lot to actually have conversations about here. Uh, let us know what you thought of this episode. What did you agree with? What did you disagree with? What do you think is going to happen in these final two episodes as we go into the end of Falcon and Winter Soldier? Uh, and then again, the best thing that you can do is if you're listening to us on Anchor or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, give us some stars, give us some ratings, give us some comments. It helps us go up in the rankings. And as always, retweet this video, send it to your friends, text it to your mom, tell her to check us out. We're really adorable. Moms love us. Uh, and that's what you can do. There you go. And of course, we want to thank once again, uh, Mike Kalinowski for being our guest here on these uh, reviews. Kalinowski, where can they yeah. find you and everything that's going on, brother? My friends, you can find me at Mike Kalinowski on Twitter. That's my preferred social media choice. My YouTube channel, check me out there. Uh, 9 a.m. Wednesdays, Christian Harloff and I over on the SCM. We got our Sith Council review show every single week. Spoiler reviews joining us over there. John, you and I got a big free-for-all coming up, don't we, pal? Yes, we do. Free-for-all for the Smodown coming up uh, very, coming soon. very soon. Very soon. Very soon. You and I will be duking it out. Oh, I hope boy. so. Oh, oh, who boy. knows what number each of us has, but who it'll knows? be fun if we who get knows? to be I'm going to be one again. I'm going to be one again. Like my first time <laughs> doing it. Screw that crap. I'll come in one, then Bibiani, then you, then Merle, and then like JT are in there. I was like, yeah. forget it. It's going to be it. crazy. But yeah, join us there. It's gonna be, we'll, we'll see it links soon for it, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Can't uh, stress again enough what uh, Vogel said as well. Please, ladies and gentlemen, 
Please like it. Please leave a comment. And more than anything else, please subscribe. Want to get past that 17,000 subscribers mark as we march towards 20,000 here on the Outlaw Nation uh, page, but also on the Geek Buddies. And don't forget, the Geek Buddies are also available on podcasts. So don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Leave a review. Leave a comment. All of that's very important. Just restressing what Michael said already. So that's all. All right. Much love to everybody. We'll talk to you next week as we review again another spoiler review of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Take care until then. Wait, on the... <laughs> there it is. Geek. Now what happened? Buddies! <gasps> hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.